inside the virtual hardwood, it's the NLC Podcast, episode number 341. Andrew with you once again, joined once again by my co-host, Derek, also known in the forum as Deeper 3 I'm happy to be here again. It's uh, another week of playing NBA 2K21, Derek. We have a new patch out, although not on PC. Yeah, I mean, the Live King brought this up. I think he actually returned the game uh, as well. He, I think he posted on Twitter, he said he returned uh, NBA 2K21 because he was like super frustrated with it. Um, but I'm pretty sure that there, there's a thread that was created on the NLSC that said, you know, where is the PC patch? And then I guess it was TG So Good or somebody else that reached out to 2K support and they apologized that the patch hadn't been out there yet and they said that they were working on it and it's still not out there. So correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but it's been about a week since the PS4, roughly a week that since the PS4 and Xbox One got the patches, but PC still doesn't have it. It's about four or five days from when we're recording this all. Or- five or six actually it's uh so it, it is definitely delayed compared to the the console patches which is not uncommon unfortunately um it is actually with uh and we'll get more into this as we talk about the the patch and everything that's going on this week but it is uh it's one of those things where it's probably going to come through as soon as we finish recording right that's how it usually works with our podcast the news news breaks just as we finish recording not uncommon with us uh, unfortunately uh, as i put that disclaimer out the other week um but it, it is with qa branch with Steam, so it has actually been submitted. So it's not 2K dragging their feet on it. It's uh, it's with Steam. So hopefully it comes through uh, very soon because it's uh, it is frustrating because it does have some necessary fixes. And yeah, we, we really want to have that uh, same support on PC. Um, so yeah, that, that's the fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, for me, I, I think what's been what's been nice is as opposed to just playing 2K21 or you know getting frustrated with my team or or you know in between modding which I'm I'm putting out an all-time teams roster with no duplicates I'm working on that right now I saw um, very cool for PC which I'm I'm excited about because I haven't done one of those since 2K17 but what's been enjoyable for me is just mixing up the games I play and you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I've been mixing up, you know, playing Dunk Lords. I've been playing um, NBA Jam 2010 for the PlayStation 3. I've been playing um, PBA Basketball Slam. Uh, and I also, my brother and I played a couple of games of NBA 2K19, the 91-92 season, the Stildo roster, etc. So uh, I love having, you know, the variety and being able to mix it up. And I think that's one cool thing about collecting all of these games is you just always have, you know, if you get bored with one title or whatnot, you can always jump to another one. It is. And I, I kind of, it's hard to say without seeming uh, condescending, I suppose, but I, I feel sorry in a way for people who can't go back to games that they enjoy or, or can't ha- enjoy a, a well-rounded selection of possible games that it has to be the latest game. And, and I suppose that when it comes down to being an online game, online uh, competitive, it really has to be the latest game. But to be able to mix it up, as you say, with other games and be able to try the different genres, both with arcade and sim and the whole uh, spectrum of uh, the whole scale of, of arcade and sim approaches to uh, virtual basketball with the games, it's uh, it's definitely great to have that uh, that collection. And it's one of the reasons why I enjoy having that collection. Obviously, it's for content creation as well as as you do with uh, 
with the site, but um, with, with your YouTube and um, and everything else, and, and modding with the NLC community. But uh, yeah, definitely some things that I love to uh, catch up on this week because we've both been playing a few different games uh, apart from NBA 2K21. But we are going to talk about the 2K21 patch. We've got some other issues that have been affecting 2K21 that we need to touch on with VC and corrupted saves and whatnot, and some other things going on in the community. But yes, uh, PBA Basketball Slam, which we've both uh, you've been putting a bit more time and you've. Uh, and the feedback you sent through has been uh, very uh, gratefully accepted, and that's uh, already starting to take effect. And some other, uh, some further thoughts on Dunk Lords, which we've touched on before, uh, the uh, PS5 and Xbox One situation there, and of course the PS5 pre-orders, and what what a mess that's been. So definitely a full show. So it's uh, got some good stuff to talk about this week, and. Uh, also want to put out there that we have reached out to our uh, friends of the show, Josh and Dave from Nemo Gamer, who, of course, made the uh, fantastic basketball classics. Speaking of uh, basketball games that we enjoy, uh, looking to get them back on. And we're going to have, a, uh, I think, a very fun discussion, Derek, about uh, the, uh, the hallmarks of both good and bad basketball games. And it will be great to talk to them not only as gamers, of course, and to share those ideas and impressions from our, our combined years of playing basketball games, but also how it shaped their... Uh, their philosophy as they made basketball classics. I think it's, it's going to be a really fun show when we get them on. Um, it's just a matter of getting all the times uh, set up to do that and uh, lining up all our sh- respective schedules. But I think that's going to be a very fun discussion uh, when we get that uh, going together to not only reminisce about those games and talk about the, the good and the bad and, and those philosophies, but also how that shaped basketball classics as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed our last conversation with both of them. Um, it, it's not just on the basketball gaming front. It's just that they love basketball. Right. Mm, They love basketball history. They love basketball. They like the history of basketball video games as well. And, you know, they wouldn't have put all of that classic content in basketball classics. I know it's called basketball classics, but they could have just stuck it to current teams and done the, you know, old graphics. Right. Yeah. To the game. But they put in all the, you know, the different years for different teams and from different decades and all of that stuff. And it just it's, it's I just love talking to people like that. There was a thing that I wanted to mention as well is, you know, I know that the PBA um, Basketball Slam people, I believe that they've been listening to our podcast as well. And I think it would be pretty cool to have um, someone from that team sure. maybe come a- on to the show yeah. and, you know, one of the developers or creative directors um, and talk to them about their game because, um, as we'll talk about later, I think that there's some decent bones there. And I just wanted to bring up a random thing, and, and this is for people who have played NBA Playgrounds 1, the original, and I don't know if you did the challenges on NBA Playgrounds 1. By far... The hardest, and I know this is random, but I really wanted to bring this up. By far the hardest challenge in NBA Playgrounds, because you have to do challenges during the tournament modes, is getting six steals. Yeah, Getting six steals yep. <laughs> with the way the stamina works in that game. My brother and I have already tried like 10 different games to get six steals. We're using different players, like we're using Rick Barry and Tim Hardaway or Maurice Cheeks or Bob Cousy, and we're using these guys who have high steal ratings, and we just can't get to six steals. Well, the, and, the, the CPU also kind of button reads and, and automatically reacts with an elusive move as well. Which just, yeah, which they're, they're spinning. Yeah, they're it's spinning kind of, kind of cheesy, right to be honest. Yeah. yeah, it's really tough. And then if you push, they don't count it as a steal. Yeah. Like if you knock it's them over, be a steal. they don't count. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out. For the, for, I love the challenges. In fact, the depth and the way they the, – the format and, and the way everything else is with NBA Playgrounds 1, I prefer it over Playgrounds 2. Um but 
and I love the challenges, but that one just feels impossible. So we're going to try it again tonight, but yeah, it's just, it's really tough. It, it is tough. There are definitely challenges that I have not finished for every, uh, I finished the tournament on PS4. I haven't on, on uh, when I doubled it on PC, I haven't yet, but yeah, they are definitely tough because of the way the CPU is uh, well, just a little bit cheesy on that uh on that front but still the steels ones are, are pretty hard uh the blocks one was pretty hard originally before they did some uh, adjustments with the patch but uh, i'm looking forward to you because i know you've been playing some jam 2010 which which is not its official title it's just nba jam that's the one that came out in 2010 by uh, ea sports there uh on fire edition is uh, i feel the one of the the definitive version of, of jam apart from the originals if, if there's a jam game that is stands as the, one of the best or the best jam game, or indeed one of the best arcade basketball games of all time. Uh, I do mention On Fire Edition as my pick for that title. Uh, 2010 is very solid. The original NBA Jam games and Tournament Edition, of course, back in the day, fantastic. Don't get me wrong, they're they're, they're up, up there for me as well. But On Fire Edition is a just a fantastic game, so it's, uh, I'd, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that one. It's it's still available digitally. The, the servers aren't online anymore, so you won't get the roster updates, but you, you can still get the game on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. Yeah, so maybe I'll figure that out. I might ask you to help me out with that a little bit. Maybe send me a link or something like I'll that. Def- but, I'll definitely do that. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth picking up. Yeah. Is solid. 2010 and NBA Jam 2010. I uploaded the gameplay video. That and and I want people from PBA Basketball Slam to understand the importance of like Turbo and they, because I said they should add a Turbo button to that game. But Turbo is so important in that game and it just adds a different element to the game. You know, the shoes light up. You don't have to have that on PBA. It doesn't have to be, like, something like that. Yeah. But um, on NBA Jam 2010, having the differences in change of speed, um, being able to turbo back for blocks, um, you know, et cetera, I, I just think the gameplay on NBA Jam 2010 is so well-rounded. Um, it's fun getting blocks. It's fun shooting. I just think overall the game is very well-made. But, yeah, I'll see if I can get my hands on on Fire Edition. Definitely worth it. I'll definitely uh, help you out with that. But uh, moving on to NBA 2K21, just talking about the the patch, first of all, it is the first big patch. Of course, there's the the day one patch that at least came through on consoles 1.01. This is NBA 2K21 uh, patch 1.02 or version 1.02 for the game, however you want to look at it. Uh, Patch number two, etc. It has come through. It's the the first big one, as I said. Uh, It addresses a lot of the pro stick aiming issues and tunes tunes some of the shooting. Uh, changed some other things with the with the shot aiming perhaps the the biggest change that uh, and, and of course again you're playing on pc so you uh, you haven't got it yet i'm still waiting for it to come through on pc as well as i have both pc and uh, and ps4 uh, shot aiming can now be used when the shot meter is off and the speed at which the pro stick is deflected uh, now determines where the uh, ideal shot aiming uh, window is uh, left for a slow flick or uh yeah, it's it's to the left on a slow flick or it's on to the right for a fast flick. So they've changed some things with with the way that's sh- uh, shooting. So that's new adjustments to make. Um, so that, that's the selector. When you boot up the game, it'll, it'll ask you to select that. And you can then change that later in the settings. Uh, shot aiming again with the pro stick shot aiming with the shot meter setting turned off. Ideal shot aiming, as I said, has changed. Uh, they've changed the uh, anti-up, which is the uh, <coughs> the gambling arena. <laughs> Let's just put it out there in my career. Uh, to use competitive slider settings so it's more skill-based. Uh, when shot feedback is, is set to off, players and opponents will no longer see uh, excellent release uh, uh, green, green light animations. Uh, they fix some unwanted fadeaway shots, improve standing dunk reliability when using the pro stick, uh, disable the double team indicator um, in an effort to clean up the on-screen UI based on community feedback, added the ability to shoot driving uh, floaters further away from the basket, 
they've, they've moved uh, park dribbles, uh, moving park dribbles are revamped to holds on the pro stick rather than flicks, uh, allowed continued use of hard stops with LT or L2, uh, clean up some animation pops in the dribble move system, fixed ball physics bugs when shot timing was set to real play a percent, which neither of us use, uh, toned down the effectiveness of the lead basket pass features to, present, uh, to prevent rather exploits, uh, they've also fixed a, a few hangs and, uh, and so forth in my career and in my court, uh, in my team. Again, some technical issues with uh, with hangs as well. Uh, 2K share content has been enabled, which is a big thing for PC users at the moment because it's uh, disabled. Um, we haven't, haven't actually touched on that, but that is a an issue that is fixed by the patch and why it's so important that the PC version gets patch 1.02 ASAP and a couple of other technical issues as well. So there's been some gameplay adjustments, Derek, also some technical fixes as well. Uh, once again, very important that the PC gets it so that they can have those fixes and tuning adjustments, etc. but also, again, to uh, enable the 2K share content. There's a couple of things here. Uh, we talked about double teaming, and they didn't address this specifically. They were talking about a different portion of that. But, you know, the double teaming and leaving people wide open under the hoop Yep. Um, a, le- a legacy issue which has been in there we can do it on mda 2k17 as well but if we turn off the adaptive coaching engine um and mess around with a couple of the other defensive settings it, it can turn it off um but the uh the double teaming and leaving people wide open just after one or two shot makes with a player is just it's kind of ridiculous so leave them completely wide open under the basket um i also want to point something out about shooting uh Here's my recommendation for people who think that the aiming in the game doesn't make sense, the mechanics of the aiming, and it doesn't feel like real shooting. Go into your controller settings and turn the aiming off. You can still use it, have user timing. You can still have the meter on, all of that stuff. But if you think that the aiming is unrealistic or it doesn't feel like you're really shooting or you don't see the purpose of it or it's mechanically flawed, my recommendation is to go into the controller settings and turn the aiming off. That way your shooting experience is better and less frustrating. So that's just something that I noticed and I saw somebody else mention it on Twitter uh, as well, but I just think it's a good option to be able to just turn it off. So I'm glad they included that option. That's a good thing. It definitely is. I think there is a problem. I haven't tried it yet myself, so they, they may have fixed it with a hotfix. I'm not sure. But I have heard that if you turn off the shot aiming on the stick, then the new dribbling moves don't work. And that's kind of a problem if that's still the case. Uh, I've had aiming off um, almost the entire time. Mm-hmm. And if you look at my videos, I, I have no restriction in my dribbling. Okay, like so my it's, dribbling it's, the, still... the new dribbling controls are still working as, uh, as they're meant to? Yeah, they are for me. Okay. Yeah, I've had absolutely might, no might have to, Yeah, might, might have to um, see exactly what that's about and test it out myself. But I did hear there were some issues with, with changing the 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 aiming controls to one. They they might have resolved that with a patch, or or, or it might yeah, be good, it might be something good, else. That would be really frustrating. Yeah, but no, what's funny is you know how the size up how that's triggered in NBA Two K Twenty One. You have to hold it up and keep it up the whole time. Yeah. Try going from playing NBA Two K Twenty One to going going and playing like. 2k19 or 2k18 or 2k17 or something like that <laughs> yeah, um, yeah because you end up just firing up like threes that you don't plan yeah. to because the, the stick doesn't work the same so i we threw on nba 2k19 the other night my first two plays down the floor were like jacking up heavily contested threes because i was trying to go into a size up i so. um I, I do that with 2k11 say when i'm testing out the roster which yes is still coming I'll be just there dribbling. Of course, that has the old isomotion system where it's hold the trigger and move the left stick to perform moves. So I'll be coming up the court and just 
want to do a casual spin or a crossover and end up firing from a three-quarter court because there's no right stick dribbling in that game. And uh, and more amusingly, going the time I went back to play NBA Live 95 and was trying to do dribble moving uh, dribble moves with the right stick, well, that's it does not register at all, funnily enough, because there is no, uh, no, no dual analog controls in that game because... It was before dual analog controllers. So, yeah, it, it is, when you go back to the games, when the, the muscle memory that you've got to overcome, you know, we, we talk about overcoming muscle memory to, uh, to adapt to a new game, to adjust to a new game, if you will, Derek. Uh, but then when you go back again, having to unlearn that or, or go back to those old controls, you, uh, you do end up sometimes firing those shots from beyond midcourt or, or doing something that you, uh, that you don't want to do. No, and, and, and I think it's... it's uh it's nice to be able to still adjust. Like, I think for me, like we had a re we had two really, really great games on NBA 2K19. Um, even after playing NBA 2K21. So we were able to adjust and, and it's nice to be able to adjust pretty quickly. But like you said, the first couple of possessions are always, it's the same thing like playing NBA live 2005 or 2004. And you like, you throw up floaters from the three point line. Yes. Because yep. you're like, because there's a separate dunk and shoot button and you can yep. never, when you first put it on, you can never re remember which one is which. So mm. you're all, your first couple of shots are always that, or there's a couple of different NBA live games where you throw full court alley-oops. Uh, I, I was, I was going to say, I, I usually remember the shot and the shot and dunk and layup button, but I, I forget which shoulder button is direct pass icon pass and which one is alley-oop. So whenever I go back to an old NBA live game, and they, they moved around a couple of times as well. So whenever I go back to an old NBA live game, inevitably I throw a very ill-advised alley-oop because I've forgotten that that's not icon pass or, or a sprint. That is, uh, <laughs> that is alley-oop and it's not a time to throw an alley-oop. Right. Same here with me. Like for me, if you, if you watch any of my gameplay videos, you'll see the icons constantly going on. I use icon passing all the time. Like I basically use like I'm passing on almost every possession if I can. So um, that happens to me too. If I go back and play those games, it's always like a full court or half court alley-oop that just sails out of bounds and you have your, the, the receiver just awkwardly jump for it. Yeah. And he has, well, I tried. There's no chance. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I, I think that NBA 2K21 with the, with the changes that you made, I think that a lot of what happens is they lean on patches now. And we talked about this prior. I think that they know that they can release a game and the game can have all of these issues and then they can say, oh, well, we'll patch it. And then they'll admit to a patch and then, you know, they'll say, oh, we can patch this as well. And then they do another patch. And then I think it was two months in to NBA 2K20. I think we had eight patches. Is that right? I think it was eight or nine different patches, like two months into NBA yeah, 2K20. So, something like that. Yeah. I'd have to look back at the update history, but it definitely was, uh, a lot of patches came through in quick succession, and at the time, because especially on console, you're talking about seven or eight gigabytes of, of patches. On, on PC, at least on Steam, they do have the, the, the more efficient uh, file size, but because of they have to replace pretty much everything they do, or, or, they, or they used to at least, have to replace everything that they had in the previous patches, or it has to contain everything the previous patch came through, that even if they push through a hotfix, it's still seven or eight gigabytes at one point on PS4, which was... Yeah, a lot of people were pointing out how uh, inefficient and annoying that was. Yeah, and I think the uh, the other aspect of it is you don't get to get used to the gameplay. You know, at least you know with some of the older titles and everything like that. Um, even NBA two, you know, NBA two K eleven and and whatnot. Even two K four and you know two K fourteen and and those titles. 
when you got the game, you could expect mostly the same gameplay from the start of the from from when it was released to went to the end of the cycle. So you could get used to that and you could adapt to it and you could start seasons and you know throughout the season you knew what you were getting into gameplay wise and how it was going to feel on the sticks. Now and we've talked about this um you know for those people who play offline you on on release day you could have one gameplay experience and then two or three months later you're in the middle of this season and the gameplay feels entirely different Hmm. due to patches and and i think that can get a little bit frustrating especially if you enjoyed a previous version you know you know for me i i back up the exe and there's other way other ways to get previous versions of the game pre-patched through like the steam vault and whatnot but you know, it is, it's got to be frustrating for those people who can't revert back. You know what I mean? Who can't Online revert gamers, back yeah, to the gameplay yeah. that they, yeah, who, they, they can't revert back to the gameplay that they were really enjoying. And that, that's a problem we had. As, as much as I enjoy 2K17, it's, it's a game that I played uh, a lot, frankly, with, the, with my career playing through the two seasons, or at least one and a half seasons, playing 500 games of Pro-Am. Uh, with the guys it was it was a game that i i definitely spent many 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 hours with and as much as we enjoyed that pro-am it is still to date our favorite pro-am experience in in 2k it did feel like it was changing with with some of the patches that were coming through week to week or the tuning updates as well because it's, it's not just the big patches but it's also the when you see the update required sometimes it's roster updates or other uh, content updates coming through but there's also some tuning fixes that come through so even if you uh, re- replace the exe file at least at least at the time when it was coming through those tuning updates you were still getting some updates that were affecting the online experience and it was frustrating t- to feel that oh geez last week or the couple of weeks ago that was really good gameplay and now we're getting this uh this tuned update this this uh tuning fix fix in the you know credit commas uh that, that doesn't really feel like an improvement. It feels like it's taken a step back, and it felt like there wasn't that consistency with the online experience in 2K17. It, it got a little bit better in subsequent years, but at the same time, it felt like they weren't touching things that needed to be fixed at, at the same time. So it, there's, there's, uh, there's positives and negatives to the, the consistency. If it's consistently bad, then you kind of wish that they were changing it a little more. But at the same time, we've also had that experience online uh, back in the day where it did feel like a different game week to week with some of those tuning fixes, tuning updates. Uh, so, so yeah, you, you, you used to have that consistency with older games that uh, that if you don't have, that, that is something I, I do miss about uh, those times. Yeah, I, I just think it, I think it made for more memories. You know, I remember us playing through the entire NBA 2K11, 2K12, 2K13, and 2K14 cycles, uh, me and my brothers. Um, and we also played through the entire NBA Live 2004, 2003, um, 2005 cycles as well and i just remember us having you know us all getting together and us playing the games and all us you know i never was like oh the dribbling feels different today <laughs> you know yeah oh the shoot yeah. is different today oh wait i can't accelerate the same way as i did before oh wait why does the post feel like this why is it, oh, wait, why why is it a completely different game than it was right, <laughs> last, right when i booted right, up last night yeah oh, Right, exactly. So, you know, you had that consistent experience and we knew what we were getting into and the fun we were about to have. So it, it definitely matters. And the, and the drawback to that back in the day was there were problems that you knew that weren't going to be fixed until the next game came out. Whereas these days, sometimes those problems do get fixed and sometimes games do get better, but then the patch comes through and it makes them worse. We've talked about that many times. NBA Live 10 is an example. NBA Live 19 is a more recent example. 2K17, as I said, went back and forth, at least in the online experience. 
Um, and, and to your point, uh, NBA 2K20 by November, we did actually have, we were up to patch 1.08. So yes, eight updates by November, by the end of the year, December, obviously. That's how calendars work. Uh, uh, NBA 2K20 patch 1.09. So we had eight or nine updates within the first two or three months of the game coming out, which is kind of excessive. In one, in one case, on uh, one hand, you want them to send through hot fixes, especially if a patch messes something up that they send through another patch as quickly as possible. But it, it, as you say, there is that dependency on oh we can fix it post-release through a patch and so the game does come out and it has to be has to be fixed i mean i'd rather a day one patch that fixes issues than having no day one patch at all and having to wait months for a fix to come through because that was a problem back in the day when there was a really big problem in the patch we had to basically petition them for a a patch and maybe we get one or two a year so it's better in that regard but it's it's kind of gone from the extremes from from having the the game that's fairly solid and, and consistent to having the games that are getting all, uh, umpteen patches within the first couple of months, it, it does indicate a problem there. And, and I know that there are issues that you can't detect until they're out in the wild, and certainly when they change up the shooting as they have, these new mechanics this year, you it, you never really know how it's going to play out until it gets into the hands of the consumer, which is kind of a problem in and of itself. And, and this year, again, you can't really do the community days and the pre-release testing and, and everything that you normally might because of the pandemic. But then again, maybe that that goes to show that this probably probably wasn't the year to introduce new mechanics like that. You know where to, where I expect patches. But by the way, eight patches in two months is one patch per week. I just want to point that out. That average is out to one patch per week. That's nuts, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but you know when I expect patching like that is as if a game's in early access. Yeah, yeah. On Steam, or it's known that it's a um, beta build or whatever you want to call it it's it's not it's it's something that's being actively worked on maybe you can play it maybe it's something that um they announce as something playable but it's early access that's when i expect patching like that i don't expect patching like that after a 60 dollar or some triple people, a game dollar yeah triple yeah, a game um you know after you know a release so no it, that is the problem with patches that they have become a bit of a crutch for for developers, AAA developers to sell a full price game and one with freemium economy, freemium uh, you know, recurrent revenue mechanics on top of that, as 2K has, and then yeah, then kind of using us as guinea pigs, using us to test out the game as uh, as beta testers to do that, it's it's definitely a problem. Um, anyway, patch 1.2 has come through. It it has some. Uh, pretty worthwhile fixes. It, I'm sure it won't be the last big patch for 2K21 current gen. Uh, at the moment, it needs to be. Well, the PC version again hasn't got it, and it's um, and that is unfortunate with the with. I mean, the PC version gets the same content updates as PS4 and X1 at the moment, and we've talked again about the issues with PC being an afterthought in in so many respects before. Um, but but yeah, it, it's just unfortunate that it's not getting that patch. Uh, as quickly and but but to two K's credit, it has already gone through to QA at, at, at the QA branch at Steam. It's with uh, QA at the moment. It's just not. Uh, it hasn't been pushed through yet. But it, it's usually about a week. Looking back at last year's patches, occasionally the PC version got it at the same time or a day later, or I think even once before the consoles. It's it's which was a very rare occurrence with uh, with PC. But it is very unfortunate that it has uh, that it's taking so long to come through, and it's still to this day, and. Um, it's it may not be two K's fault, but nevertheless, that that, that doesn't really, um, I mean, it doesn't make people much happier on PC. Whoever's fault it is, it's it's still frustrating that it's it's still being held up. 
Right. I, I think with me, I've I've kind of accepted 2K21 for what it is mm. at this point. Remember, I, like I said, I made a video that said, let's make the best of it. And yep. I have my slider tweaks. Um, I know um, where the game, how to have the most fun I possibly can with the game. Um, my brothers as well. Um, you know, my other brothers, you know, we're, we're having basketball gaming weekends again. And t- so my oldest brother's coming over tomorrow. We're all going to sit in front of the TV and we're going to do a fantasy draft and we're going to play some 2K21 using the sliders and everything. So we're going to make the best of it. Um, I honestly have already backed up the EXE before this patch, just in case. So I just want to make sure that my gameplay, if, if the gameplay is eroded more by the patch, that I have a backup where I can still play the way it is right now. So I need to back up my NBA 2K19 XE because my uh, because a vast twice now has flagged that as when I've tried to boot up 2K19 flagged it as a uh, as a virus. So that's uh, that's thank you, Vast, for that. Even when I've created an exception, so that was very annoying to uh, to have surprise to surprise. It's not surprise. It's not 2K18. That might be the virus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly the uh, the closest the 2K has come perhaps through uh, <laughs> to that. Uh, as for things they need to patch moving forward, obviously they're going to continue sending through tuning updates for the shooting. It's going to be one of those things I, I think that as people adjust to it and they look at the results and the learning curve and everything, they may continue to send through tuning updates. Obviously, roster updates are going to come through at some point, one would imagine, um, when, when the new season, when the draft happens and the new season begins. Uh, obviously, we're still finishing up the uh, 2020 season as it uh, as it is. But there are some very troubling issues at the moment that I've seen in the community. Uh, my career saves are being corrupted, and people are just losing their my player. Uh, the Life King mentioned an issue where he, uh, where his player, where, where his save, he basically was no longer on the NBA team in my career anymore. He was he would uh, boot into the mode and he'd be uh, locked to the point guard, and but it wasn't his player. Uh, and then then the save corrupted completely. That's VC spent down the drain uh, and again whether you've earned that in game whether you've bought the pre-order got the pre-order bonuses or whether you've bought vc it really doesn't matter if that is wasted time effort and and money to, to some extent even if you haven't bought any extra it's uh you know you still bought the game you still lost that time uh, that is something they need to uh, definitely fix up uh, as you said i think you might have uh, returned that but uh, for, for anyone moving forward that is something that they need to fix up and, and of course at the moment, if in my career, the daily bonuses you know you don't get VC for them. That is bugged. Um, Rock has uh, has confirmed that. A couple of other people on Twitter have confirmed that. I think um, Dre Obi Wan Watson has uh, has mentioned that as well. That it's uh, that you don't get the uh, they don't get the daily bonus. If you if you do it, it'll say completed, but you don't get the VC. That is a way of grinding VC so you don't have to pay for it. So. And this is something that really bothers me, Derek, with 2K, is that they will, and it, I know I've brought it up many times, but it's much like the whole Pink Diamond fiasco a couple of years ago, the LeBron James Pink Diamond locker code. When it when there's a problem that doesn't work out in 2K's favor, but maybe works out in our favor, like a VC exploit or some kind of issue where the VC is, you get very generous earnings, they are very quick to patch that. They will come. They will even patch that on Christmas Day. But if there's, if there's an issue with VC where we're not able to earn it or we're not getting the VC earnings, they will just drag their feet on it and, and be very slow to fix it. And it's little things like that, I think, as, as much as anything else with the VC in, in 2K, is what has really eroded the goodwill that they've built up over the years, that they will ban people for VC exploits and patch them out of the game quick smart. But when it comes to problems with people earning VC 
people getting their pre-order bonuses still kind of some issues with that as i understand it they're very slow to fix that and i think that's just terrible think about this so i had mentioned this previously in a tweet 2k20 had over 8 million downloads right so think about how many people are playing these games and think about the like you said the daily rewards not coming through for vc so those people that are not getting those think about how many people depend on those how many mm-hmm. how many of those people are actually going to put money in the game because they just want to you know accelerate their progression right yeah like how much money let's say that's down for how long has it been down how have they how long have they not been getting the daily rewards uh since launch since launch so As I understand think it, about yeah. that how much more money how much more money has 2k made off of people saying you know what f it yeah i'm oh i'm not able to progress fast enough i'm going to put more money into the game think about that yeah and yeah. you know for anybody who thinks that's being conspiracy or anything like that the there's proof out there's there's room for for us to think like this there's there's reasons for us to think like this because like you said if it comes to a vc exploit or it comes to um something where they think um somebody else might be cheating the game like a user they get banned immediately or it gets patched or immediately it doesn't matter which day it just happens like it gets taken care of right away but then when it comes to something like that like the daily rewards um it just sits out there and it's not fixed. So, um, like I said, just think about how many people download this game. Think about how many people get frustrated with the grind and how that obviously could benefit 2K's wallet. You know, by you know the people saying, you know what, F it, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in the money and you which know people, put more money in. So like, people, people do. People actually would. And and you're right. And it, again, you can say, oh, it's delving into conspiracy theories and everything. But you know, Strauss Zelnick, the 2K CEO, did say they have. Uh, the 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 recurrent revenue was down in 2K20, but they and they're looking at ways to increase it again to to the shareholders. That he said this. Uh, well, this is a pretty good way of doing it, you know. And and again, it, it's it sounds like a conspiracy. It sounds cynical and paranoid and whatever. But the problem is, again, there, there isn't that goodwill. And when you when there's that lack of goodwill with the company, it does invite that kind of speculation, that kind of belief that maybe yeah, that yeah that, that they that they've got this history of not fixing these issues and. Are they sitting down and saying, "Look, we're going to sit on we're going to sit on this and and not fix it because it's going to make recurrent revenue"? Maybe, maybe. But the, the point is that you believe it, and the reason that you believe it is because their track record hasn't been good. Yeah, exactly. And and can I point something out really quick? The fact that roster sharing for PC has not been up since launch launch is unbelievable. That's yeah. unbelievable. We're we're two weeks into. Um, two weeks post-release because it was released on September 4th. And we haven't been able to do any roster or DNA sharing throughout this these, these two weeks. Why? Mm. And, like, why has this not been patched yet? And also, why, why haven't I seen any posts about it? Like, why haven't I seen 2K acknowledge it or anything like that? I just don't understand. Well, they don't. To, to, I mean, we, we've talked about uh, EA not mentioning live, which which they don't. When, when a live game has been out, they've, they've usually their communication has been pretty decent. Uh, it, it's it's been lacking while live has had the downtime. We've talked about that at length, but they ha- they have been pretty open about acknowledging the issues. And, and even if you go on the uh, NBA live NBA live mobile Twitter, they're pretty open about maintenance and, and issues like that. Whereas 2K. Uh, 2K does not like delivering bad news, 
to the point where we're not, nobody does because it makes people angry and gamers are not necessarily always the most understanding bunch you know i'll certainly admit admit to that as a uh, as a group we can be quite toxic you know, and that is an issue that uh, that really we need to work on from within but i think people do appreciate that honesty and that uh, that transparency and i know there's you can go back and forth with transparency ends up hurting more than helping but there are some issues where you should say hey you know we know this issue we acknowledge it uh, we're working on it i mean they could still be dragging their feet behind the scenes but that acknowledgement i think goes a long way and again to build that trust and goodwill that, that simply isn't there at the moment yeah it'd been, been great to have like a an announcement on twitter reddit or wherever there you know or even when you a prompt in the game that says you know we apologize 2k share is down on PC, you can't, you know, do DNA. You can't share your rosters or anything. We are working on a fix. You know what I mean? Exactly, like just something. Yeah. Even if it was like a, a, t- a tweet from Mike Mike Wang or the official 2K handle that said, "Hey, you know what? Well, this is something that needs to be fixed. Um, sorry, it's down." It, it's stuff like that that gets you know goodwill. You know what I mean? That gets that gets people saying, "Hey, you know what? They communicated it. We appreciate that." And you know what, there'll be a fix soon because now they've acknowledged it. But They're not dodging they the issue. So. They're not dodging it. Right. It's just like, it's like, it's like reading these, these reviews where they give the game like an 8.5 or a 9, and, and I'm going to use Brian Mazik for an example, and they'll give a, uh, for Forbes, they'll give a review of the game, and they'll say the good, the bad, and the, um, and the final, and the bottom line, and they don't touch on any of the real game issues. Like they don't touch on the real gameplay issues. They don't talk about the player movement. Um, even some, like we had talked about in the last podcast, they call it basketball perfection. Mm. They don't talk about defense, the blow buys. They don't talk about the running up the sideline for easy hoops. They don't talk about the double team intelligence. They don't talk about the speed issues. They don't talk about the shooting mechanics issues, all that stuff. And, but they, Basically, they'll gloss over any issues and they'll they'll call the, and then they'll give you the bottom line, right? And it's just it's super frustrating. And I think there is a comparison between the two. I think that's marketing one hundred and one, right? That's their business. That's what they do with their you know by market. That's how they market their game, and that's how they avoid talking about the issues with the game, whether it's being reviewers or two K themselves. Well, you know, back in the day, I remember we used to post a lot of reviews, and I know OS did as well on the on the main page you know ign gives 2k whatever a, a 9.2 or whatever we, we, we post the reviews because they would they used to be more informative i i feel reviews used to be more informative back in the day uh before it really became uh, influencers and content creators became a thing i mean content creators were always a thing but b- before it became what it is now and uh, it was actually worth at least seeing what some of the reviews said it, it's not really worth a lot of reviews aren't worth checking out i, I do want to write an article about this uh, I have an article that's coming out about um, is 2K pay to win? I, I believe that's in a couple of weeks' time. I'm, I'm ahead in scheduling my articles at the moment, uh, and it's a lot of people say, "Oh, it's not pay to win because you don't need to. You don't need to pay." And that, that's one of my big things is that we get caught up on that terminology of pay to win, and we overlook the issues that the recurrent revenue mechanics are causing for the game because we're getting say, "Oh, well, it's not technically pay to win." Okay, it's not technically pay to win. But it does have these issues with the VC system. And by focusing on that terminology but, and then making that a stumbling block, making that a, a pedantic point, it's, uh, it, we gloss over those issues. And a lot of reviews do that. They don't mention online stability. They don't mention recurrent revenue mechanics and how intrusive it is. They don't mention pack odds in my team. They'll just run down the features like it's almost a glorified uh, press release. 
essentially, with a few maybe personal opinions thrown in here and there. And and there's some value in those personal opinions in the, in the better uh, reviews, I, I will say. But it, but I have stopped posting reviews uh, on the site as far as news updates. You know, back, again, back in the day, you'd say, oh well, this is you know the reviews are coming in. And this is what they're saying. It's honestly not worth. It's not worth it. Uh, there are content creators that are talking about the issues, and I would definitely say yes, check them out, us included, and we thank you for checking out the NLC podcast. But it, it, a lot of the professional reviews these days, they, as you say, they don't touch on the on those issues. They, they throw out things like oh, basketball perfection or, or, or other marketing like phrases and, and repeating the hashtags, essentially things like that. It's uh, it's very disappointing to see, and it's, it's why I don't post the reviews anymore because I don't think there's value in them. The the best reviews that there are are the people who are not compromised doing video reviews on YouTube. Yeah, those are the best reviews. The ones you know, one of them's the his name is the Lazy Peon, and he does he, he does reviews for RPGs and MMOs and whatnot. But what he'll do is he'll be going through all of the aspects of the gameplay. He's going into the menus. He's telling you about the game. He's giving you um, insight on the gameplay, how the controls work, what's good about it. He does a full pros and cons at the end. He does a do I recommend? It's literally just a deep dive into the game where you can see. He where he uses examples, etc. These reviews from IGN, from Brian Mazik, um, the from GameSpot, from any of these sites, those reviews are incredibly how do I say they they're not they're I, I'm trying to use something other than paid for. They're they're very um, basic casual and agenda driven how about that sure. basic casual and, and agenda driven that's what I, that's what i would say um well i, I think i mean to... i don't think anyone gets directly paid but i, but I do think they are very careful well, about they losing to... they are very careful about losing access yeah act, well no they did access and their job yeah right i mean you know that that's the thing it's it's losing access and losing their job so, you know, we talked about how in NBA 2K, uh, which game was it, 2K18 or 2K19, um, you know, 2K trying to shut down that reviewer, right? That, Who that yeah, game, like was that three? 2K19 or 20? Yeah. Or, or, no, it was 18. It was 18, yeah. It was 18. It, it was yeah. 18, yeah. And they tried to shut down that reviewer. How does that look? So let's say that reviewer was Brian Mazik, and Brian Mazik worked for Forbes. And um, let's say NBA 2K tried to shut that down. How would that look on Brian Mazik's behalf, according to Forbes? Mm. Right? Yeah. Like, how do you think Forbes, do you think Forbes would question him doing those articles moving forward? I would hope yes. so. Yeah. He yeah. might lose that access. Yeah, he might lose that access, and he might lose that gig. So that's the point that I'm trying to make. The, the best reviews are those who you know they're on the ground floor they're not compromised and you can tell that they actually you know they do a video review they explain the ins and outs of the games they talk about the pros and cons um and you know they really give a deep dive those are the best reviews and when i'm looking for video game reviews and i'm looking to see hey do i want to pick up this game i go straight to youtube and look for those that uh, that site was i believe uh, six axis was was the site and they did catch a bit of heat for acquiescing to the demands of 2k and not standing by the reviewer but at the same time i understand it i understand if you've got some pr person from 2k breathing down your neck and and i think jim sterling covered this and and, and he, as he said even if he, they, there is no actual threat of of legal action or or removing access or whatever it's the implication it's the implied threat and 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 he and he says i think as jim put it it's it's the 
it is that squeeze that's being put on there in, in a friendly or a false, falsely friendly way of you know just reaching out. We're just concerned. We're just concerned about this uh, this review and we're concerned about this score you've given it. And we're concerned it's a protest score and fixing in on that protest score or a protest it's review. Or it's, it's bullying. It is. It is plain and simple. And I, but, you know, to that point, I would hope that if if uh, Brian Mazik uh, posted a, such a review for Forbes, I would hope that Forbes would stand by him. The editor say, "Well, no, that's that's his opinion. You know, if you don't like it, make a better game." But the problem is, companies do want that access, and and they do want their they they want people who can get that access and get that in because then they can have the first review out there and the. And that's and it's not about that. It it really should be about the best review and the most comprehensive review. And and we'd really have gone away from that, unfortunately, uh, in in professional uh, video game reviews because of the access. It's it's getting really. You know what it should you know. be. You know what it should be. Instead of instead of make us look good, which is what two K is. You know, make us look good. Instead of that, it should be we look good. Talk about us, right? That's what it should be. It shouldn't be yeah. make us look good. And dodge the issues and don't talk about this because it might be looked at negatively. It's, hey, we made a great game. We look good. Talk about us. Like, that's that's what it should be. But it's the opposite of that nowadays. It's make us look good. Don't talk about these certain things. Highlight these certain areas. It's like a scripted interview for, like, a talk show, right? Mm. Like, you send your... You, you send your um, you, you send your guest, uh, hey, these are the questions that we're going to ask. Which ones do you want to answer? Right. Yeah. These are the ones that these are the these are the only ones that, you know, we're going to give you. And, you know, you can choose which one to answer and we'll decide which ones we we accept or something like that or vice versa. Like that's how that feels. And I think that I think it's just it's not fair to the consumer because we had talked about this on a prior show. Um, A lot of people do look at these reviews and stuff to decide if they want to buy a game. They do. They take these reviews seriously. So if the the reviews aren't being truthful and they're hiding issues and issues that could dramatically impact the um cons- the potential consumer's enjoyment then that's not fair and there there are people who will parrot those reviews word for word and and just stick with that because people will uh follow the word of their of their favorite content creator or or favorite reviewer yeah exactly we've talked about that and we've talked about the um the impact of them pushing for those popular YouTubes to um, talk about the games and the, the popular YouTubers. And, and, and as we talked about the popular YouTubers, the super popular YouTubers and influencers, what do they want to keep? Mm. They want to keep their access. Absolutely. And, and so I, underst- say, I understand that. That's the, that's the thing. It's hard to, I mean, yes, you can at the end of the day. And their popularity. And their popularity yeah. quite and, and, Not just their access, yeah. but they want to keep their name. And I, I understand because, and, and you can, we can say, yes, you know, have, have, have morals, make a stand and everything. But if that is, especially if it's your career, if you have built up your platform and your audience to a point where you are making it a career, then you, that access is very important. And you've, you've got a company, a big company, breathing down your neck about these things and saying, you know, w- w- you know dangling the carrot and saying, we're going to take this away if you don't, uh, if, if you don't play nice, if you don't couch your criticisms with a lot of praise that almost to the point where you might as well have not have said the criticisms in the first place because everyone's going to focus on the all these things all these nice things that you've said that that you've presented in a way that almost outweighs the bad no matter how bad it is i, I get it and and i've written, written about this before in monday tip off about you know the influences on the virtual hardwood i i get it and i and i get when you when you're flown in and and they treat you real nice and everything and how it can 
influence your opinion as much as you're trying to let it not to. You know, you don't want to burn those bridges, and and I get it. And again, it's, I think it's one of those reasons why I really admire what Flack did when Ronnie tried to reach out to him, and he basically said, "No, you you called me a bully and were and has been bad mouthing me. Uh, you know, take your take your uh, influencer um, job and shove it." Yeah, that was I was really proud of him actually. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I, I was proud. No, I get it. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of people were, and I think that actually it grew people's respect for him. I do want to point out too this is the last thing I'm going to say about the Mazik article. You know how he said, you know, the good, the bad, and the bottom line, which is kind of insulting to me in my opinion because I did a demo impressions gameplay that was a hundred times more um, detailed and accurate than than what his review was on the after release and i called it the good the bad and the ugly mm-hmm. so it's like yeah whatever his his review literally should have been called cherry picked good cherry picked bad cherry picked bottom line that's the way i would call it that's that that's that should be the new name of the article and i saw sorry if i'm coming off negative but if you read that article that he put out he highlighted hardly any real issues with the game how can you give me a bottom line and a final and a, like a final bottom line and a final verdict and all of that stuff when you don't highlight hardly anything with the game? I just I, I just get frustrated with that. I'm going to be honest with you. The, the remark so. in that article that kind of rubbed me the wrong way was calling the 2K community spoiled, which I, and I understand where he was coming from on that one, but at the same time it felt like it was very dismissive of any criticism at the same time. No, it's apologist. You know the thing is is you, you, they, these reviewers do this too. They say, you know. Some some say this is 2K20.5, but, and then they'll add, like, some BS paragraph about it that doesn't really talk about any of the good and bad, really, with the game. It's just something like an apologetic paragraph mm. to make 2K look good. And you, you can see what they're doing, but some people can't. And it's just, it's it's frustrating. So I've mentioned a couple of articles that are coming out. Once again, I do want to touch on that, the whether 2K is pay to win and how people get caught up on that and hung up on that uh, that terminology and the, the fact that it isn't a perfect representation of it and, and how I think we should move on from pay to win to more accurate terminology that actually describes those issues. Uh, and another article that's coming out next week is uh, is about inaccuracies with the rosters. The, the state of uh, official rosters is the title of that article, Monday Tip-Off. Uh, well, it's actually coming out tomorrow from when this is recorded, so uh, look out for that. But that has become more and more of an issue, and we've touched about this bef- on this before. Uh, you've put out a, uh, a Twitter thread, a couple of Twitter threads, which I've uh, linked to in that uh, article that will be coming out. Um, actually, might have to add that second one that you've, uh, that you've <laughs> recently posted after I drafted and scheduled the article, and edited and scheduled the article, rather. But we have seen more and more after the, after the whole NBA 2K16, we had the uh, the whole Hall of Fame ra- rating scale, which which I really liked that idea, and I thought it was a, a good direction for the rosters to to do. They've they've backed off completely from that. We've just got some ratings that are completely ridiculous, completely unrealistic, and, and there's a lot of uh, behind the scenes politics it feels to appease players and to, to push narratives as far as players are concerned and to fudge ratings here and there. And it's really coming at the expense of accuracy, whether it's individual attributes, whether it's tendencies, whether it's badges, things like that. We've seen how it affects my team with the souped-up uh, OP cards. But it's even the, the default rosters, which we can at least change ourselves, and we can share them, usually, when the sharing facilities are working. But we are seeing those inaccuracies with the rosters, that it's and a copy and paste with some of the historical players. We've got uh, new rookies coming in that that are and bench warmers that have got higher ratings than 
uh, key historical players on the retro teams. Uh, it's there's just that lack of attention to detail in recent years where it, it's just becoming that that was the thing that 2K was known for was just this uh, and, and I'm never saying that never saying that they all their rosters have always been 100% accurate. It's easier said than done, especially if you've only got a couple of people working on them. You know, we, we've seen that with. You know, my, I can speak from experience of, of making unofficial rosters. It's, it's you lose lose track of players. You can make mistakes. You can make oversights. It's a thing, but the approach just doesn't seem to have that same attention to detail and attention to realism and everything. And, and you pointed out some, for example, some mid-range ratings that are just absolutely ridiculous uh, based on stats. And considering how much we all love stats these days. It's it's even more ridiculous. I'm gonna. T- I just want to know what the roster team is doing. They have a specific team that works on these rosters, right? They have they have um, stuff they can carry over from previous games. Um, they're working off Excel spreadsheets. Possibly they they can go in and edit these things. What are they doing? You know, I, I just it's so frustrating to look at it. Like I've talked about before, the Blake Griffin copy and paste signatures to Billy Cunningham, all of them. He's shooting for him, everything, dunk package, all of that. Um, you know, you have copy and paste jobs throughout the roster. You Then you have unbelievably inaccurate, obviously agenda-driven ratings and whatnot that make absolutely no sense. LeBron, you know, in 12-13 for the Heat, um, shot roughly 40% overall, 39-40%. And actually, combining both, I think it's probably around 38%. Um, from mid-range and he's listed as i want to say an 87 on for a 2k rating on mid-range for that percentage um for 15 16 he shot um under 40 percent i want to say for mid-range as well for the season from 10 to 16 and 16 to 22 feet and he's rated a 91 (laughs) from mid-range um you can't tell me that the person that did that did those ratings um, was knew about basketball, number one, or if they knew about basketball, that it wasn't agenda-driven, politically driven, because it's LeBron. You know, for the 0607 Cavs, he has an 82, which, which is a high rating. That's like a B-plus or a B. An 82 on mid-range, and he shot like 35% from 10 to 22 feet overall. And then if you look at Michael Jordan, the 85-86 Jordan, he's a 75 on mid-range. Michael Jordan was destroying teams for mid-range. When he first came into the league, he was, he was an unbelievable mid-range shooter. He, he got better later. But he was already an amazing mid-range shooter. There isn't a point in, in LeBron James' career that he is better than Jordan in any way from mid-range mm. shooting the ball. But, you know, why is this happening? You know, Russell Westbrook on the 11-12 Thunder has an 88 rating on mid-range. Kobe Bryant in 97-98 has an 80 on mid-range. And if you go through some of these, just, there's just some unbelievable things. Charles Oakley has a 75 three-point shot tendency. 75 yeah. on three-point shot tendency. Um, it's insane. Bob Lanier has a 25 on speed. Do you know what 25 on speed looks like in NBA 2K? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. I it- mean... It's absolutely the slowest thing in the world. Larry Bird has a 55 on overall speed. He can't even make it from baseline to baseline um, without – he's just he's struggling mightily. He's running in slow motion from baseline to baseline. Um, you know, the speed with ball, the acceleration, the speed in general, the tendencies are completely off. Um, 
what are they doing? The signatures are unbelievably bad. Like, go and go and use some of those all-time teams and some of the classic teams and shoot with these players. Their forms aren't even close to what they are in real life. They did, it looks like they didn't even touch them. No, um, no. So, you know, I, I have a right to be frustrated. I, absolutely. You know yeah, what I, I, mean? like, I, I think? It's a triple-A title, Andrew. Like, it's a triple-A title. They have a roster team. They have people that should be working on this and trying to make it accurate and represent these players the way they should be. It's disrespectful. It's a, it's just not right. It's it's something again that it feels like they paid more attention to. Not to say that they were perfect over the years, but but there was more attention to detail. They had the Hall of Fame rating scale. Uh, now you've got a, I think in two K twenty, Matisse Tybel was uh, ninety seven in steals. He had the, one of the highest steal ratings in the game, ahead of some of the all time great pickpockets in the league. Uh, you had Kevin Love and Jared Dudley had higher mid range ratings than ninety eight Jordan. So oh let me up. yeah let me bring this up too Giannis um, Giannis Antetokounmpo you know Greek freak 84 on mid-range rating 84 on yeah. the regular buck 75 for Michael Jordan Yeah it's it's ridiculous and it's Listen listen that's not okay That's like like that's what about the perception right What what about the disrespect and also the perception and what does this teach kids like, I, it's just, it's, you know, we talked about this. We grew up on basketball cards, right? Yeah. We grew up on watching the game, basketball cards, all of this stuff, and on basketball video games and everything. But, you know, what is, you know, the, the kids knew bad, like, people, the, people don't collect the way they used to. You know what people do instead of collecting basketball cards and learning about the players and watching them on TV? They're playing NBA 2K. So what is this? They're collecting my team cards. Alex Crusoe. Right. Galaxy Opal. Team. Uh, right, exactly. They're shooting threes with Yao Ming and crossing over people like he's Steph Curry. Um, you know, the point is, is that um, what is this teaching kids? How is this okay? And and by the way, why are why are there not bigger lights shined on these issues? I think it's, it's because, just I, it's because people I think have gravitated towards my career, so it's it's more about about getting your player up and your perfect build for online as opposed to the accuracy of the NBA side of things. There's there's been a real demographic shift, I, I believe. Right, and I and I might, and you know, people that are that are listening to this and are like, "Boy, he's, you know, why is it worth getting this upset over? Why, why is he so upset? Because it matters, because it absolutely matters. It's it's disrespectful to the players. Um, some of the current players too, who we've talked about, who are um, underrated in favor of players like LeBron, who are overrated in those areas. Um, it's not fair to them either. Uh, you know, it's almost like you know we talk about how the media is unfair, unfair to Anthony Davis. Mm. Right? They're not. They won't even talk about it. Like, he, he, he's, he's talked about less than, like I said on a post, like Chris Gatling in 93-94. He's just like this player that's in the league, and nobody's acknowledging his big performances. So it's not fair to some of the current players what, the, what happens, too, with the media or in video games. But, again, it's, you know, the, it, it does matter. It, it also impacts the gameplay. You and I have talked about this. You know, tendencies impact the gameplay. You know, the way they shoot impacts the gameplay. So the signature shot choices, the attention to detail on signatures in general, dribble packages, all of that stuff, the attributes like ball handling, speed, acceleration. Look at the game we played online. Mm. None of your bulls playing the way they do in real life. None of them. You couldn't use them the right way. They were, they were abso- it was absolutely ridiculous. So, again, it, it impacts gameplay and feel and fun, too. So, anyway, that's my rant about the roster stuff. And I have a million examples. So, there's no argue. I'm sorry. I'm going to say this to everybody. There's no arguing with me on this. Like I, 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 you look at a lot of the, the key role players that are in the 80s, rated overall in the 80s, which, look, overall ratings are problematic. Uh, no, nobody knows that more than 
uh, and people who've been playing games for years and who play, especially people who've been making rosters as you and I have, uh, we know that the overall ratings, their importance gets overinflated. They are a selling point as much as anything else. And that is kind of the problem is that you've got all these role players that they want to push out the, and they didn't do it this year with 2K21, but at least current gen. I'm sure next gen they will, but they didn't push out the overall ratings, especially because they're probably pretty much the same as last year's rosters anyway. So it's, it's kind of a moot point at the moment because of, the whole situation with 2K21, but they all they often do. Part of the previous season has been to push out those screenshots with the overall ratings for the rookies and everything. And, and again, of course, they haven't been able to do that yet. Uh, and, and they'll give everyone ratings that are pretty generous from their role because they don't want to offend anyone. They don't, they don't want to uh, make anyone look bad. But it's kind of like, well, you're a, a fairly raw rookie who's unproven at that level, if, and you're not and you're kind of the fifteenth pick of the draft, and not. You know, there's a reason you fell that low. You shouldn't be over 80 overall. You probably should be in the low 70s, or depending on you know if you if you are a bit underrated in the draft position or whatever. And it's 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 moved away from that that there's really inflated ratings so that I don't know that the players don't feel bad or whatever. But the point is, it has to be based in the, they've talked about that that balance between fun and realism and everything. That's gameplay tuning. You've got to you've got to start from that realistic base. If you are a sim game, you need the ratings to be accurate. And, and from there, you have sliders and, and tuning updates and whatever to make the gameplay how you will. But it's all relative. It's all relative to how yeah, you but play. It's not just, yeah, but it's not even just, it's not just elitist. It's not like um, like the whole, hey, we just want to make their, their overall ratings higher. It's literally copy and paste jobs. That's We're too. talking about. Oh, there's there's definitely, yeah, lack of, lack of attention to detail. We're talking about yeah. la- laziness, lack of effort, lack of caring, mm. lack of priority, all of that stuff. And I also want to point out, I'm just going to say this again. This is why I absolutely cringe. Part of the reason why, we've talked about this before, I absolutely cringe and it makes me want to jump off my balcony every t- time I see this. Um, you know, the elitism, the sim nation, all of that stuff. All of the, oh, this game is basketball perfection, or this is, this is the way basketball, you know, it plays a great game of basketball, and all of this BS sim nation elitism stuff. Listen, I'm going to be completely honest with you. None of that is realistic. None of that is sim basketball. None of it. And, and again, I'm, be, I'm coming off a little bit negative on this podcast, and I want, I want people to understand, though, that this has been going on for a while, and mm. nobody talks about it. They There's don't. And, anybody, and it's part of sim. As much as skill gaps Jesus. and shooting mechanics, it's, it's part of sim that the rosters are accurate. Right, exactly, because it impacts how they play on the floor, just like you couldn't accelerate at all with Derrick Rose. Hmm. Like, yeah. it's all part of that, you know, like we talk about it, you know, we talk about the gameplay issues that get in the way of it. We talk about all the frustrations and all the lack of control that you have on the floor. That's not Sim Nation. That's not a, that, that doesn't preach um, skill gap or anything like that. We talk about the heavy emphasis on badges, right, and artificial um, boosts to your players. That's not a skill gap. That's not simulation. That's not Sim Nation. That's a boost. That's you know, we, we talk about. Right, exactly. You know, we talk about, um, you know, they talk about elitism and simnation, but the ratings, attributes, tendencies, signatures, all of that stuff just doesn't support it. It's mm. not realistic. It's artificial. It's, it's not accurately done. So, again, I, I don't want to hear it. I, you know, the get good, the get in the gym, and, and, oh, you guys just aren't good at the game, and all of this stuff is just wearing on me. Think about how many years we've gone through this. And, by the way, it's only been elevated since 2K18. Like these last three or four years of this stuff has been unbelievably elevated. The uh, the bloom is off the rose for sure. It's that, that's 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 you know that's that's for sure. 
But uh, you can check out the uh, the article that's coming out this week. It's coming week. I'm sure we'll have more to say on it, uh, both uh, historically accuracy and also the current. As as, as Derek said, you know, it, it comes down to the. Uh, to, the, to the current players as well has the, have those problems um, and and yes we we can fix them ourselves but the other the thing is that takes a long time people people do want to pick up and play the game which is uh, which is only natural which <laughs> which is only reasonable uh, so have to fix these issues and of course then if you can't share the rosters when the rosters sharing has been down it uh, it makes it hard to to fix it for the community yeah it's just a lot of work mm. and they shouldn't have and by the way we talked about this it's just same, same work, to, using work to play work uh, to play how many people? How many people are going in there to fix all of these issues? Just like sliders, how many people are going in and using sliders? Not many. The majority of there's only four or five game of slider threads, by the way, on Operation Sports, and actually I think only two or three for NBA 2K21, and um, we only have one mine on the NLSC. The large majority, over 95 percent of gamers, do not make slider adjustments. Right. Yep. They just go in and play the game over 90 to 95 percent of gamers do not go in and do roster edits. They go in and they play the game. So it is not fair to use that as a crutch. They no. shouldn't have to. The game has to be good, solid by default. People shouldn't have to go in and adjust all of these things. They shouldn't have to try to do do all of these um, ex- external stuff to try to make the game more fun for themselves, spend hours upon hours. And you know this in order to fix these. It's ours and days mm, and weeks in order to, to do it the right way. So, no, you can't use that. There is no just go mess with the sliders. There is no, well, why don't you edit them yourself? That's not the point, and it's not fair to, again, the 90 to 95% of gamers, probably higher, probably 99% of the gamers that don't mess with those things. And, of course, as we've said before, some modes you can't use custom rosters or custom sliders, making it a moot point anyway. Right, exactly. My team online connective modes, all, all of that stuff. And the other point is, is, hey, you know what? For PC, people want, even if somebody wanted to download a roster that maybe had some of those updates and everything, they haven't been able to. Yeah. Roster shares down since launch. So it just, there's just a lot of things that are super frustrating. And I, I'm, I'm going to go back to say this again, and I stand by this. I said this on, I think it was last podcast or the previous one. Sure. The game plays, the games now have more animations and whatnot. But if you're not having more fun than frustration with the game, like between the lines gameplay and all of that stuff, then the game, you can't technically say that the game is better for you than a game like Live 2004 or NBA 2K10 or NBA 2K11 or 2K13. You can't say that the games got better if they're causing you more frustration. More bells and whistles and more de- and more like animations and whatnot do not automatically make a game superior to a prior game. That's the point. But there's a new beach neighborhood. That's all we needed, right? Right. Oh yeah, there's a new there's a new neighborhood and now you can cross over and shoot threes with Shaq and my team. Makes it a better game. So it, yeah, it, is, just, it is. It is. It is. It is that way. It's there's technological advancement, and there's also advancement of the experience on the sticks, and and how how fun it is, and people actually enjoying the game. And we've talked about people buying out of desire for a new game, and, and having the only option available to them, and and why it's so important for competition. And I'm sure we'll circle back to that in uh, in due course. And uh, and yeah, and look, these are the things that we have to give feedback about, and why we shouldn't shut down feedback from each other. And this is something that we've talked about as well, obviously, many times, and we'll, we'll continue to to not harp on, but certainly to bring up because it is important to realize that constructive feedback is 
and should be welcome. And uh, I'm, you know, moving uh, moving on and shifting gears here. We've seen at least with uh, certainly with the uh, the smaller developers, indie developers making basketball games. You know, and again, we we shout out to to Josh and Dave and um, with Nemo Gamer on Basketball Classics, uh, but also it's the games that we'll be talking about uh, momentarily. Is there is has been that acceptance of the feedback and that what that desire to make that uh, to to have that that great experience, that great virtual basketball experience, and and of course one of the the issues as uh, you know to, to really transition into what we're going to be talking about with these other games such as uh, PBA Basketball Slam and. Uh, and Dunk Lords and whatnot, is that with that smaller studio, with the independent developers, you know, look, I, I'm not anti-AAA gaming, obviously, I, we, I cover AAA games, AAA basketball games on the on the site, I play a lot of games that are AAA games, Fallout, etc., Grand Theft Auto, Mortal Kombat, as many that you could name, all, the, all those big series, but but one of the things with the indie developers is that there is that connection Sometimes for better or worse, with the uh, with, with the community, with that group of uh, gamers that with their audience, there is that desire to make the best experience possible, to take the feedback and to put it to good use. With the with the big AAA games, I, I think the developers want to do that, but they also answer to uh, to many masters. They they answer to the they answer the, the people who who want to uh, implement recurrent revenue mechanics and use the games as a way of of bleeding customers for, for recurrent revenue and and so forth and, and the, the suits don't don't care how it's done they don't care about a uh, i mean maybe there's there's some executives that care about a, a realistic basketball game or an, and a fun basketball game i think at the end of the day most of them just care about uh making you know pleasing the shareholders and filling their own pockets sounds cynical but i think we uh i think we can say that with uh, some degree of confidence to say the least so and that is the problem with AAA gaming. They're answering to the higher ups, to the suits. Whereas with the indie developers, you do have that. Uh, I don't want to use words like purity or, or, or whatever, but it, it's you do have that that old school mentality, I guess, of, of simply wanting to well, make make and sell a good game and and to listen when people have feedback. Like- yeah, I agree with you 100. percent Sorry for interrupting. I just want to bring something up really quick that I mentioned on Twitter as well. Listen. I understand that I have a couple people that follow me that worked that that work closely with 2K. I also understand that I have a couple people that follow me um, who used to work recently for 2K. What do you guys want? Do you want somebody to cut corners on feedback? Do you guys want somebody to not give you exactly how they feel about the game? Like, do, is that is that what you want? Do you want just everything to be roses? You know, do you want to look through everything with rose-colored glasses? I want to point something out. I understand that it's probably tough to hear this stuff, especially for people who have worked on the game. But you need to look at things realistically, and you need to look at the feedback that's being given. And if somebody can give you examples of the issues with the game, and they can demonstrate it on video, and they can and articulate it the correct way, you should listen to those people. I'm sorry. It just yeah, it's, it's, I don't care if you're a AAA title, and I don't care if it makes me sound like I'm hating or if it's like, oh, this guy's super negative or anything like that. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to lie? Like, or do you want me to cut corners, or do you want the real feedback? So I just wanted to add that in because it sounds like I'm coming off as super negative, but the issues that I'm talking about are actual issues. Well, I, right? I think if somebody... I'm not making this stuff up. No, no. And, and so. if somebody is... Somebody who, who like us, is a passionate basketball gamer, uh, an experienced basketball gamer, is feeling negative. You have to look at well, why? You know, this, they're, they're not hating. They don't hate basketball games. They don't 
not know what they're talking about, although that's often how it's framed when you talk about if somebody uh, frames you as a hater. It's not, not you specifically, but anyone. If you're looking at it, so why, why is the core audience not happy? And it's, and it's blaming them, oh, they're, they're not good enough, or they don't want a school gap, or they're spoiled, or whatever. No, it's because they do know their product, they, they do know their hobby, and they're not happy with it. And it's to, to blame the audience and to say that it's their fault for not enjoying your product, uh, I, I think is simply bad business and, and, and bad creatively as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, 100%. But, uh, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to get that point across. And I agree with, you know, with PBA Basketball Slam. It was so refreshing to just be able to Yeah, well, well, let's, let's change gears. Super... We do have some good stuff to talk about this week, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, with with PBA Basketball Slam, you know, I left a incredibly detailed review of the gameplay um, on Steam. I think I mentioned this last show that said, hey, listen, you know, this game doesn't feel like arcade basketball. It's not fun. It's not fast. Um, it doesn't have jump passing. Um, the players move too slow. There's too many interruptions in the gameplay. Um, you can't block dunks. All of this stuff, and I left this detailed feedback. I, I also made lists at the end of pros and cons, what I liked, what I didn't like. And the developers responded to me and said, you know, wow, thank you for that feedback. We're going to start, you know, we're going to work on the game. And then they... Two weeks later, so just a couple days ago, they put through a patch, and following putting through the patch, they left a message on my review and said, hi, we just wanted to let you know that we implemented a good portion of your list. Thank you so much for the feedback and all of that stuff. And they literally implemented, and you played it so we can talk about this in a second, they literally implemented over half of my list already in two weeks. They included jump passing off of shots and dunks and layups, which adds a whole new element to it. You've got to have jump passing in a basketball game. Yeah. You have to. Sim or arcade. arcade. Yeah, sim or arcade, but especially arcade. Um, the They implemented faster movement speed for the players. They implemented boosting off of crossovers and spin moves. They implemented the ability to um, block dun dunks, but it's not exaggerated, where you can still get dunked on. You have to time it right. Um, they eliminated the um, constant celebration um, interruptions, which were bogging down the gameplay. They moved the, you know, the, the, the speed between making a basket and inbounding the ball is now the way it should be. It's correct. And then they sent a message, and they said, we're also working on the rest of your list, and we wanted to let you know we're working on the rest of your list. Now, you played PBA Basketball Slam when it first was released, so before the patch and after the patch. You can't tell me that there isn't a huge difference. Like, I actually have played about four or five games now um, post-patch, and, and the game is just so much more enjoyable right now. I mean, I, I could tell you that, but I would be lying. Quite frankly, it's, it's uh, no, and, and and shout out to the guys for obviously uh, taking that feedback on board. That because you did have that great feedback there for them being so gracious about it. They've uh, followed uh, both of us on on Twitter and and have mentioned you know, complimented the podcast and and thanked us for our remarks. And we we thank you for your kind remarks as well. And and again for, for taking these uh, Derek's uh, feedback on board. And yes, you do feel it. I mean, the, the first time I played it, I uh, I did feel that. Uh, and again, it's early access and minimal, like $5 Australian, so I wasn't angry, but I could see, like, oh, you know, this is this is definitely not where it needs to be uh, compared to maybe other early access games. And certainly, it's unfair to compare it, an early, especially in early access, to the classics, 
of arcade games, but at the same time, it's like, well, you want to aim for that. I mean, you, you know, uh, you know, shoot for the moon, you'll end up among the stars kind of thing. Um, that, that first time, it, it was rough. And, and everything that you pointed out as far as the the delays of the too many celebrations and the speed and not being able to jump past, uh, you know, pass out of the shot and things like that. Uh, absolutely was the, uh, the feedback I think they uh, wanted to hear and needed to hear. And yes, having implemented it, I, I played that game or just a little bit of a game actually, because we were just about to start recording and I wanted to make sure that I got some, uh, got some uh, experience on the sticks before we came on to talk about it. And it is, it feels like a very different game. It, it feels a lot more, and you can say, okay, this is, definitely on the right track uh when i first played that game it was okay i I can see the potential you know there's a lot of good things here the uh if they if they go in that right direction this can be a very fun game Uh, but at at the moment it's it's definitely not it's missing some core aspects as you pointed out on the previous show and, and just then as well very quickly playing it now it's like okay yes not only does it have potential but it's on the right track to fulfill that potential and i i think once that does get fleshed out and they can work that out at a turbo button uh, i think as you said uh, adding an alley button is important as well and and just continuing to refine that experience and and maybe polishing up some other aspects as well as far as the aesthetics but certainly getting that on the sticks because you can overlook some quirky stuff with uh, with the graphics although, although you know we, we've, we talked about that with the with the faces feel like there needs to be a bit more of the faces moving around in that nba jam 2010 on fire edition style but no that that is actually it is it's, it's starting to come together already and it's it's great that they were to push through that patch so quickly to take that feedback on board um so very impressed that they that they do that and, and it's it's refreshing again after we've had developers you know, and people call us spoiled or, or you know, get get good and everything to say. And, and yes, this is early access, so it's a bit different to a AAA title. But to come from some of the arrogance that we've seen to that uh, very grateful uh, accepting of feedback and looking to implement it and, and taking it in such a good direction, then I think we have to give that gratitude right back because they have taken that game uh, in that right direction. And again, it, ha- it still has potential, has, has a long way to go. But it's you can see it fulfilling that potential now, and that's the important thing. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things with this. Is um, I think that once they put through a couple more patches, I think that it can be a very fun arcade game. Um, I was already having some fun with it, um, but I, I want to point out that once they fulfill the game, the game's depth. Like there's a campaign mode that's locked right now because they still haven't finished it. Um, and they also are going to have online play that I think this is going to be a fun game where I'm going to want to get on and ask you to play. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, maybe we can get some online games going on and, it. And here's and the thing. I'm not that familiar with PBA with the players and whatnot. I know there's a, a few former so NBA players neat, there. Right. So it's kind of neat because you get to, you know, get exposure to those players and you yeah. get to get exposed. So, to those so it's, it's not even banking on a license that I know. So it's not just saying, Oh, well, this isn't, an NBA game, you know the players, whatever, here you go, you know, and, and it's trying to be carried by the license. I mean, obviously, it does appeal to people who know, know PBA, and basketball is huge in the Philippines. We have a lot of uh, people from the Philippines in our community over the years, uh, which which is, and, you know, the, the sport is huge there, without a doubt. So it's great to have that PBA game um, for them as well. And for us, not not having as much familiarity with it, it's good that we get to learn about, a, a you know, another league, and that we can kind of have that 
experience of, of, of just enjoying virtual basketball like that and then learning about the players and learning about the league. So it's it's not even something that we can say that you and I can say, oh, well, you know, it's uh, we're, not, we're not nitpicking this. We're not, we're not saying that the, the license is... You know, the license isn't carrying the game, is what I'm trying to get at. For us, five bucks yeah. for, for five bucks for that much depth when it's full, when it's fully when it's fully implemented. Five bucks for you know a fun, you know loose arcade experience. Uh, yeah, like that. You know the price point too. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. So like five, it's worth getting I mean, on the ground floor. Yeah, it's absolutely great. You know, for that, and and the other point too, I want to make you know, just for last feedback because I know that you guys are listening to the podcast is. The alley-oop button, which I mentioned in a comment to your, your channel, is, you know, the ability to be able to, you know, if you're playing co-op, to be off the ball and just hold Y and allow yourself to jump for an alley-oop and then the person you're playing would be able to pass it to him for a dunk. That would be a huge addition. Um, or the ability to throw an alley-oop and make sure that you adjust it so it's not overpowering or the success rate, is, success rate isn't too high. But the ability to just, you know, push the tap the button or hold the button down to throw an alley-oop during the game, um, even if you're playing solo, that would be a huge um, thing. So the cool thing is, is that I know you guys will implement the feedback, like, or at least yeah. try it or look into it. So um, it makes me feel motivated to give more. So those are just some things that I would do, and obviously the turbo button. Um but yeah, yeah, I have a strong outlook on it, and um, I want to say also great job with the soundtrack. I like the soundtrack. I like how it's so upbeat during the game. It's immersive. I like the, how the tunes change while you're playing, etc. So again, um, nice job with that as well. It's it's definitely got that right atmosphere, I think, for the for an arcade game. And uh, and as you said, the blocks feel a lot better. It's not overpowering either way. It's but it, you can tell the difference that it's now that if you time it right. Uh, you are rewarded, and that's that's a very uh, big thing. And I'm sure we'll get into that when we're talking to Josh and Dave about the uh, the ins and outs of what makes the uh, good games and, and bad games, or or the hallmarks of, of good and bad games alike. Uh, because obviously, some of these things do cross over. There are good games with bad points and bad games with good points. Uh, but but it's it certainly does have that better feel on on blocking. The the speed is is better, uh, shooting and whatnot, and it's uh, it will get. I can see it definitely getting better. As far as the alley-oop is concerned, it is definitely important, I think, these days. It wasn't a thing back in the day with arcade games that are really old, but after a while, when you do add that alley-oop mechanic, it is important to be able to go up for one and get that pass, whether it is, as you say, holding a button or whether it's simply turboing towards the hoop and pressing shoot so then forces you, you know, that it triggers the jump to go up for the alley-oop. There's a couple of ways of doing that. But it is very important to be able to, when you have the CPU drone, when you have the CPU player, to be able to, to command them, just like in uh, the NBA Jam games, in, uh, in uh, streets, in, uh, in playgrounds, to be able to command a CPU player to go up for an alley-oop. It's, it's just very important. And that's where that, that unused button, as you say, the Y button or, uh, or triangle or whatever, um, depending on the, on the platform and whatnot and what control you're using, uh, that's how I would definitely utilize it. Either that, or again, f- for the user manually triggering a, uh, a jump for an alley oop. If once you have that turbo control, turboing towards the hoop and pressing shoot. There's a couple of ways, different ways of doing it, but it is important to get it in there one way or the other. Right. I mean, you can tell that it was formerly a mobile game because they're not using using the right stick at all. Mm, right. Yeah. Like the like w- the way the game was programmed, they're not using the right stick, and that's another avenue they could think about using um, into the game. They could utilize the right stick. It doesn't need it. I understand the simple dribble buttons. You you don't have a lot of um, a lot of um, 
different dribble anima- animations in the game. And I guess the dribble button works for what it is. Um, but, you know, the, the right stick is not being used right now. So that's just another avenue that you could think about to, you know, add some functionality in there if you want, depending on how deep you want your gameplay to, to be. Um, you and, and shoulder I buttons, about, yeah. Shoulder buttons as well. Yeah, shoulder buttons, yeah. One of them should be used for the turbo, as we talked about, um, preferably the right. Um, but at the same time, it's, sometimes it's those loose games right? The games that aren't overly complicated, the ones that um, you're flying up and down the court and it's just crazy action and it's just a lot of fun. Um, the, sometimes those are the most fun games. So I'm not saying they have to get absolutely crazy in depth with the gameplay and all the changes and stuff like that. I think there's some basics that should be there. Um, but hey, if the gameplay's fun, that's what matters. So There's there's something to be said for complexity and there's something to be said for, for uh, simplicity. And it's it's not neither is is wrong depending on the genre, depending on the approach. Um, it to to refer to TV tropes and and its uh, its mantra. Uh, you know, tropes are tropes are neither good nor bad; they are tools. And you can have that really complex experience. It's usually more of a sim game thing to have that really complex, deep controls. Uh, arcade is by design at least supposed to be very, very straightforward and pick up and play. But yeah, it's. As, as long as you're doing the, the simplicity and complexity of it well, as long as it's well executed, uh, then, it, then it will work out. Yeah, exactly. Also, I've got to check to see if um, that game's moddable. I've got to go into the finals, files and see if, I can, yeah, right. see if you can like, put different faces on there and players and stuff like that. <laughs> you're going um, to make NBA basketball slam after all, all but, that? Yeah, you never know. Hey, you never know. Um, that might actually be kind of fun, right? To jump sure, in there and sure. mod the game and whatnot, look to see if we can find the jerseys and the logos. Maybe there is a way that we could do it. Um, and especially if the game's fun, I think we could make it a pretty cool thing. Um, but again, I like learning about the PBA and the players and all of that stuff. So it's kind of neat to see a new league and all the venues. Good job of the venues, by the way, developers as well. I mm-hmm. think there's about five or six different ones you can choose, and I like the outdoor street courts and and whatnot. I mean, even the commentary is just kind of fun. I, I was going to um, say. I mean, obviously. I mean, Jams is, is always going to set the tone with Tim Kitzrow. That's it's a very high bar to clear, but you can't put that bar on every single game out there. And and I, I think it's it's good commentary. It's a good tone. It's uh, I like it more than Playgrounds, the commentary, quite frankly. And uh, and yeah, I, I think it, it does strike that right tone of, uh, of fun and, and silly, but also at the same time encouraging and and uh, and just hyping you up. And that's and that's what it should be in an arcade game. Oh, like that. Right, I think right, I think they've they've got the, they've got the right tone. I like the delivery and everything. It's uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's a good job with commentary. I, I have to uh, have to give props there as well. well. We were talking about gameplay and simplicity and stuff, and I think Dunk Lords can go in the other re- the other way. And I think mm. I, I think Dunk Lords is the type of game that you need to be playing with another human. And I think that um, in order to truly really get the most out of it and it has you know all the power-ups in between um, quarters it has the signature skills in the game um i think that for some people it's over the top for my brother and i it's not we just had an absolute blast a large reason to that is playing co-op but if you actually look at dunk lords it's entirely different concept than pba basketball slam pba basketball slam moves in to is very much in the nba jam element like if you had to go like it's way more comparable to NBA Jam with the art style and the gameplay, um, etc. Dunk Lords is like a combination of NBA Jam, um, <laughs> NBA Jam, NBA Playgrounds, uh, Bill Lambeer's Combat Basketball, 
um, it's like this it's this combination of all of these games and I, I can see why some people would say it's over the top I, I think it's a really nice change of pace well you know um, I, I'm I'm more in the, the camp at the moment of saying it, it's a bit too bit too much for me uh, and it's uh, a, bit, a bit too frenetic a bit too uh, complex uh, whereas I do like the simplicity in the arcade style of, of more like like a jam or a street or or playgrounds. Yeah, I think I think part of the thing with Dunk Lords is is you have to go into it not expecting NBA Jam. Oh yeah, and I know that's hard for to do because you're using two players and it's two on two full court. So I think that's one of the things. Um, but I encourage you to give it a little bit more time. I wish there was a way that maybe we could through like Steam Share or something like that. I wish there was a way we could play together. Um, I think that the campaign mode is incredibly fun and all the different challenges it poses, um, all the different rules between games. Um, you have to, there's, there's games where there's, um, you know, later in the, in the campaign where you can't see your opponents for seconds at a time and then they appear and then you can't see them and then they appear or the lights go off and then they turn on. Hmm. Etc. And there's just these really cool, neat concepts and elements well, that so, were put in that enhance the experience. See, I, I, I should point out, and I, I said this before when we, when we first talked about the game, is that I, I look at that, and while I, I can see that as perhaps not being what I would like out of the game, and, and it's, it's again, I'll, I will continue to give the game a chance and see if I, I warm up to it, but I can recognize that as a fun idea, as, as a cool concept. And I think that is very important as we evaluate games to realize that something that we don't like may be a personal preference. It, not always. It, it may, we may be able to make a fairly objective uh, observation of games and, and whatnot and, and put it out there. But certainly it does come down to if the concept is for you or not. And, and I've been thinking about it a little bit. And... Part part of it is is entering the game, looking at it, like expecting a jam clone and, and getting something very different. But I think I, I looked at it and and I've been thinking about it. You noted the uh, the power ups right between all the, all the quarters. Yes. Yep. I think one of the things that maybe turns me off that because I think that in theory I think that's a really good idea and it's fun and it really works for the concept of the game. I think I and, and it's it's funny because it may sound like apples and oranges, but I've. I've been playing my career a lot over the past six, seven years in uh, in NBA 2K, and a lot of that, especially the last few years, has really relied on min-maxing, on picking the right badges, the right builds, you know, building a player in a certain way and picking that kind of stuff that I'm uh, perhaps over that complexity and wanting to pick the right things and, and have that almost the mini-game of power-ups uh, even though it's different to what 2K is doing, obviously, although then you talk about the takeover meter, maybe not so much. But I, I think I've gotten so over the idea of having to build and 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 create this player and, and be able to min-max and, and have the right build and have the right attributes and the right badges and everything that I just kind of want to play basketball. And so to have that again in that frenetic, frenetic I should say, uh, atmosphere of Dunk Lords maybe I think that's part of why it's overwhelming me so much that I want, I, I'm craving that simplicity after having to, to deal with all the, <laughs> all the build BS of, of my career. You know, you know, it could be that, but I think, I think what happens is, and again, it, it's, it's part, I mean, I think it's part right? of it. I'm, I'm playing, Not all the I'm playing with my brother. Yeah. Right? All that I'm too. playing with yeah. my brother. Yeah. So I think one of the things is, is when you're actually competing, especially if you're in the campaign mode and you're down by seven 
or something like that, and you have a upgrade available to have three points for every dunk mm. or something like that, it adds an element of versatility to the game. And I don't look at arcade games the way a sim basketball game is supposed to look. Oh, right? sure. Like, yeah. I don't look at them the same. Like, I'm not playing Looney Tunes basketball and comparing it to NBA 2K. So I think, and, and I understand exactly where you're coming from, though, because it, it, it almost feels like, like an artificial boost mm. or advantage or something like that. But I think it gets different when you're playing an arcade game like Dunk Lords. And I also think it gets different when you're playing the way you're playing. Like from my brother and I, when we're playing through the campaign and we've lost like six or seven different times in a row and the, the, the cat jumps on the ball and he's rolling over us and we're losing the ball constantly and we can't seem to score and all of that stuff. Those power-ups where we can create a shield or something like that or have an inbound shield where we can't get knocked over and everything adds a different element to the game and leads us into a quarter Go like and we have hope. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it depends a lot on how you're playing. And again, it's not for everybody because, you know, some people we've talked about this. Some people might enjoy the less frenetic approach. Like we talked about PBA basketball slam compared to NBA jam. Like in my opinion, the way you play, because you're playing locally one player, I think that at the end of the day, you're going to prefer PBA basketball slam over dunk lords. I think so because too. Yeah, I, I think it's it's also that the less the less variables. I think is a factor. Uh, playing alone is a factor. Uh, I would like to try playing it uh, local uh, uh, co-op to see how that goes. It, it certainly might change my my opinion somewhat. I, I think it does come out because I'm not. I'll have to admit I'm not a big fan of in NBA playgrounds the extra point for the perfect release and the uh, and the first bucket. It's random, too. It feels very random, the perfect release thing on Playgrounds. It does. Doesn't I it? mean, that, that is definitely a problem with that with Playgrounds. Uh, but but I've, I I don't like it personally, but I'm not going to say it's a bad thing because I think it is something that sets Playgrounds apart, just as Dunk Lord's concept sets it apart. So I won't, I'm not going to say it's objectively bad, but I, I can't, but I will say that perhaps with my history of gaming, with my personal tastes that it may not be for me. But at the same time, it is, I think, a very intriguing game. You can, I can see the positives. Now, I think maybe that's where some of my frustration is, is that I feel like maybe I could enjoy the game. Or, or I think it's a good game. You know, So and that, that's maybe the thing. Is like, that I, I know there's an appeal there. I can see the appeal, and I, I want it to appeal to me as well. So it's, it's, I think that's where some of the frustration comes in. And maybe it never will. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But I, I think that is a big part of it is the... Uh, the pace, the the concept is perhaps not necessarily what I'm used to or what I was expecting, and and again playing uh, single player as opposed to uh, to co-op. But but I also do I do think that reflecting on it, the the amount of variables is perhaps something that I've been turned off a little bit by by having to deal with all the variables in my career. And even though it's a different type of variables and a different type of gameplay, it's kind of like I I just want to uh, I just want to ball, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I and I think that. There, like you had said, there's there's certain things that you don't get in other games, like arcade games, like not inbounding the ball. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. like you like the ball goes through the hoop and you just down the court. Yeah. And you know if somebody has a certain ability, um, sometimes you know you you get the ball right after it goes through the hoop and you get it like they use a power up and you get it knocked out of your hand immediately and they score. And then it can happen multiple times in a row. Like I, I definitely see like the frustration aspects of it it's but i love the outside of the box thinking by the developers and like you said it's not like functionally it doesn't work right no like it's a it's a well-made game 
it's like worth it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile having that that type of game in addition to other types of, of basketball games. It's it's I, I'm not so much of a purist that I will say this shouldn't exist. I, I will say that perhaps you know, in my personal opinion, is it is it for me or not? And which at the end of the day, I can. And I'm sure there there are probably criticisms I could make that are more universal, more. Uh, subjective about uh, trying to block uh, trying to block dunks. I, I feel is uh, is pretty tough. Well, the problem with with the problem of dunk lords with blocks, and I'm going to leave this in feedback because I'm going to do a whole write up on this game. Is instead of going for blocks, uppercuts. You, uppercut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You upper everything. You uppercut jump shots. You uppercut dunks. You're uppercutting in the backcourt. You're uppercutting. Um, so which, which kind of I goes, goes that, against you know what you expect of that game as well which i think is there is value in having some of some some familiarity with that and i think if if the function is there that you can block dunks you should be able to so i I think i mean that would be my one more objective criticism of it but everything else i think is more you know is it is it a compatibility with the concept and me rather than the concept being bad because i don't think the concept is bad at all i think i think it's more like yeah yeah the game is the game is kind of a, a a combination of basketball and battle royale yeah, like you're knocking yeah. each other over. You're pushing. You're using special abilities to knock the ball out of people's hands. You're, you know, jumping 50 feet in the air after a power up um, and getting multiple dunks in a row. You're growing to eight feet tall. Like the 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 it, it is an absolutely crazy experience. Um, but it's still basketball. Yeah, and, and to that, to that end again, I, I don't believe in being such a purist uh, that that I can say that, oh that shouldn't be a thing. Would I want it in every single arcade game? No. Would I want it in uh, and sim games, absolutely not. But I do think there is value in having those different experiences, and we each have to decide whether it's for us or not, and and give it time to grow on us. If if uh, if we feel that there is something there, and if there's not, maybe you just skip on it completely. It's completely understandable. It is the the, the call that we have to make it at the end of the day. But uh, I think that is important as much as it is to uh, to not to not invalidate our own feelings about things and and, uh, and our impressions of of games but to also realize that personal preference is a thing and that not everything is made for everybody and we talked about this so many times is um it's about understanding what other gamers want right it's about appreciating other gamers want and saying and and looking at the game as a whole and say hey you know what this doesn't appeal to me but this is going to appeal to a lot of people and i see why yeah exactly it's it's being able to give your opinions and your impressions but also be, to be able to look at, look past them and to give that again when people talk about objective reviews they're not talking about absolutely no bias at all because that's impossible reviews are a personal opinion and, and impressions to, to a certain point but to be able to on top of giving your own personal feelings about it to describe the game and to evaluate it in a way that's not that's beyond how you feel and say well you know I, I would recommend it to you if you like this or I wouldn't recommend it to you if you feel this way that's very important, and I think uh, you know, we, again at the top of the show we were talking about reviews earlier in the show. We were talking about reviews and and uh, and personal bias and things like that. It, it is looking out for the audience as well as much as giving your own opinion and, and saying this didn't appeal to me, but also giving people the information to, to whether they can make an informed decision whether it's going to appeal to them. That's very important to have it when you're doing a a review, uh, a, a, a valuable review, to be able to give that that perspective as well. Right, exactly. And um, I also want to make a point, because like I said, I think we have PBA Basketball Slam who listens to this podcast now. Um, there's space for you and Dunk Lords in this. Like, I, I, I want to make a point that these two games being wildly different is the way it should be. It's great, yeah. Like, I'm actually, I'm really glad 
that people have the options for for both. So, you know, the stuff that I credit Dunk Lords for is not stuff that I'd want in PBA Slam. That's another very Second, important point. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, there's certain things that th- that I like in PBA Slam I wouldn't want in Dunk Lords. So the um, it's very good that the games are different. It's very it's very uh, it's a positive thing to have both those games as options for people. Just like Virtua, you know, for example, Virtua Tennis and Topspin, you know, in the tennis industry um, for, you know, the 2000s games. Virtua Tennis was a loose, more arcadey feel. Topspin was supposed to be more realistic and whatnot. There's room for those two different games, for those two different titles. And I didn't want those two titles to be similar. I just wanted them both to be fun. I think you look back at the day, there was a lot of NBA Jam clones that tried to imitate the success of that. And And sometimes they did their own thing. For, the, for better or worse, sometimes they, they should have followed the jam f- formula more closely. Other times, maybe they should have innovated more and, ha- and had something different. So I, I absolutely agree that there is uh, Dunk Lord should be its own thing and PBA Basketball Slam uh, Arcade Edition should be its own thing. And, and there is value in there having those different experiences. And again, uh, different experiences to NBA Playgrounds and NBA 2K and NBA Live, as we want that to come back. And if it ever comes back, if they ever come back, I should say, NBA Jam and NBA Street, if, if, if Live ever resurrects them they they should also be their own thing and, and jam maybe they're going to share technology especially if they're all made by games made by the same uh, developer that will probably share the tech but they should stand apart and I, and I do like that about jam and street is that although they are similar in some ways they also have their own distinct aesthetic themes uh, overall concepts and, and even in the controls with the the tricks that you do with the nba street as opposed to where jam is that straightforward high-flying ridiculously high-flying dunks that is the thing that jam is is about whereas street street is exaggerated but not to the same extent of flying 60 feet in the air and uh making the, the rim, rim catch on fire and whatnot it, it's more right. an exaggerated street stuff. was also about combos and stuff too yeah yeah like so it's just it, completely different they have different concepts but both work so beautifully exactly and that's and that's what we need variety being the spice of life exactly that's and then that's uh that's what we hope when nba live like you said returns hope that uh it has its own footprint and you obviously some of the gameplay is going to be similar because it's say they're replicating the same sport it's, it's basketball yeah. between the lines but it should have its own feel and it should hopefully um be a lot of fun I, I would expect more crossover between live and 2k because they are trying to be that sim game um but that but still doing things in their own way exactly exactly so before we uh, talk a little bit about the uh ps5 pre-order debacle uh anything else we've been playing this week uh, i've actually been playing because i, I was i'm re- resuming my 25th anniversary of nba live retrospectives to finish them before the year ends and of course the year is very uh rap- end of the year is very rapidly approaching of 2020 uh i've been playing a bit of live 08 on uh, 360 I, I said it in, in my review which will be coming out very soon derek but especially after Live 07 and we've talked about the roughness of Live 07 uh Live 08 on 360 and ps3 I, I look playing that now. I actually wish I'd spent a bit more time with it. Uh, it's actually quite solid. It was quite a, a step up. And yes, 07, you may say, is, is a low bar. But I, th- I thought 08 uh, was a very pleasing improvement. And I didn't really realize it at the time because I was focusing so much on the disappointing PC version. But the 360 PS3 version is actually yeah, it's pretty solid and, and has some pretty solid ideas all around and, and some innovative stuff with the modes as well. Live 08 is just wildly different than Live 07 from the graphics direction to the player models to the movement, all of it. It's just it's just completely different. Um, I, my my issue with Live 08 um, is it just feels sluggish. I feel like running up the floor feels feels sluggish. 
it doesn't feel um, to me like a really a truly fun, fast paced basketball game. Um, I think that they definitely improved a lot on uh, with Le- at Live 08 over Live 07, and I definitely feel like they improved with Live 09 over Live 08, and then mm-hmm. Live 10 yep. was the culmination of it all. Um, I think that Live 08, I-, I think that Live 08 still needed a lot of work on the animations, but what you can tell they did with Live 08 is they made things a lot more smooth compared to Live 07. Like overall, the movement and the etc it's just it's a lot more smooth i feel like uh, it feels better um it feels more like you can tell they really went hard for a sim direction with nba live 08 as opposed to live 07 which was incredibly rocket dunk arcade action um so i definitely think that they started moving even more in the sim direction which i've talked about this before with some of these older titles so while i'm not live 08 isn't a game that i'm going to jump on and like choose to play i can see where it improved over live 07 yeah and again i wouldn't i probably wouldn't pop it in and play it on the regular but i, I having played it again i was uh, i was pleasantly surprised and and putting in perspective of coming from 07 it's it is definitely such a better feeling i, I remember feeling at the time that it was better than 07 but I, I think i was so focused especially in our community on the legacy of the pc version that we do overlook that 360 ps3 uh, the next-gen release, or what was then next-gen release, or, or current-gen and prior-gen. The, the terminology is very mixed up at times. But that, that version for the uh, for the consoles, for the uh, uh, the, the more advanced version than, than that uh, PS2 port we were getting on PC that had all the problems, it's, uh, it is a game that I, that I think I, I, that I wish I spent a bit more time with. I, I will be talking about it in a Wayback Wednesday that's coming, but I, I discovered a, a retro roster that somebody made. I definitely didn't make it unless I'm going senile. Um, I've <laughs> completely forgotten. But the amount of work that's gone into it, I, I think I would have, uh, I'd remember doing that. Uh, quite frankly, it's, it's. I have to give, I can't take credit for this, uh, this roster, and it's, it is has some issues. But it's this. Uh, well, I'll get into it more when I, I do the way back Wednesday. But I discovered this roster. I showed you some screenshots. Uh, it was like finding buried treasure, just finding this old roster and messing around with it. I love seeing stuff like that. I, I love going back and and finding mods that I might have forgotten about or, or whatnot, or downloading mods for older games um, that I had, you know, like new discoveries and everything. Um, you know, I want to make a point to you really quick, though, about Live 08. You know, you talked about, hey, this feels, you know, pretty good. I wish I had spent more time with it. Um, that's how I felt about NBA 2K6, revisiting it. Hmm. Um, I played NBA 2K6, and I uploaded a gameplay video recently for NBA 2K6. Um, using the Warriors against the Raptors. And I'm playing this game, and I'm like, hey, this game is really fun. <laughs> like, what a good yeah. debut for them um, on the Xbox 360 and whatnot. And NBA 2K6 was just a really fun, overall, loose experience. You had the hold-the-ball-out-like-Jordan thing on the perimeter and the quick acceleration to the hoop and the throwdowns. The shooting felt really good. Um, it had a basic post-game, but it was reactive. And you had, like, drop-step dunks like around the hoop that sometimes would happen and everything, not really in your control, but it would happen. And I'm just playing this game. I'm playing defense and offense. And I'm like, Hey, this game is a lot better than I remembered. And I wish I had spent more time with it. So two K six is for me was maybe your live away. It's, it's really cool because I, I've found that with some older two K games as well. And because it, it took me so long to get into the ice emotion and some of the feel of two K from coming from live and its concepts. Uh, there are definitely 2K games I wish I spent more time with over the years, and it's uh, it's one of those things where you can go back to them, but it's it's never quite the same, especially 
playing well sometimes playing with the older rosters is more fun sometimes but it's uh it's one sometimes it is hard to go back for for too long or make it the the primary game again but it is fun to dust them off and and yeah as you say find these games that and and you look at them and you can see parts that didn't age well um i I sent you with that screenshot of kevin durant's uh, cyberface in uh nba 2k9 um where he's kind of melted um (laughs) His face literally, his face looks melted. Some of the faces are absolutely terrible in those older games. They're when really when people say that faces from 2K9 are better than 2K19, I have to say, no, it's it really, really not. Um, there are some things that have definitely come a long way. Um, and, and you can see the things that are dated, but at the same time, you can see the the gameplay that feels good. You can see some of the innovation in the controls, innovation in the modes at the time. And you think, this is where it began. Because and there are a lot of things that are older than you think, whether it's shot meter mechanics or a certain feature in in your franchise mode or even an online mode. Of course, online team play was introduced in NBA Live 08 in a post-release patch, a free update for the game that added online team play. That was the future of basketball gaming. We didn't know it at the time, but it turned out to be the future. Yeah, we talked about we talked about the shot meter and shootout. Yeah. So, and, so you know, over a decade. So the, these things that are in, old, in older games turned out to be such a big deal, and uh, and yeah, um, I, I know also you've been playing a bit of as, as you alluded to at the top of the show, uh, NBA Jam 2010, and, and again I'd love to get you onto on Fire Edition, the digital one, because that was I feel the, the definitive jam as much as anything. But Jam 2010, and, and I st- I'm overdue to, to do a way back Wednesday on it to do a full retrospective on it. Uh, I'm still deciding whether I want to do video or written on that, but. It, it was really hurt by first it was going to be coming out for the Wii, then it was going to be going to be coming out as packaged with the 360 and PS3 version of NBA Elite 11. NBA Elite 11 gets cancelled, so then they'd make it a standalone game. People think they're going to try and there was a big misconception at the time. I don't know if you remember, but people were saying, "Oh, they're going to they're charging full price for something we're going to get for free," even though what was going to be in Elite 11 was a stripped down version of Jam 10, and there was going to be DLC that, that expanded it to the full game. And people slept on that game and, and overlooked it and, and were very down on it because they thought it was... They didn't seem to understand the issue. And, of course, the whole thing with NBA Elite 11 getting cancelled also soured people on the EA brand. But that is as good a jam as you will find. 2010, I believe, it's a very solid remake of the original with some new twists like the boss battles and things like that. Uh, the classic campaign mode is a little bit repetitive. Um, that, that is something they fixed up in on Fire Edition with the road trip. But as far as gameplay is concerned and the, the aesthetic and everything, the only thing that really bothers me about it as someone who really loves Tournament Edition back in the day, the, the follow-up to the original NBA Jam, is that there's no injuries and there's no real reason to substitute unless you pick a bad matchup. Um, although it is good to have the multiple players to choose from. There's just, there's just no reason to substitute if you pick a good line, basically. But that, that Jam 2010 is a fantastic Jam game. The gameplay and the graphics are just awesome. And what more could you ask for, right? Yeah. I mean, you want more depth sometimes and whatnot, but if you want to loose, you know, pick up and play, uh, you know, jump into a co-op game or just go against each other um, and whatnot, you know, what more can you ask for? Uh, it's just it's um, it's it's just a really fun game. I uploaded a gameplay video of me using the Lakers, Kobe and Pa in the first half, Kobe and Odom in the second half. Second half. And it's just, you know, I'm playing this game. It's just really loose, fun action. Shot blocking's fun. Alley-oops are fun. You know, the shooting is sound. It's just, it's a really solid game. Um, and like you said, it's worthy of the NBA Jam name. So I, I definitely enjoyed my time with it. And you asked what I was playing. 
Yeah, NBA Jam 2010, um, NBA Playgrounds, the first one, um, a little bit of Dunk Lords, um, some PBA Basketball Slam, NBA 2K19, NBA 2K21. Um, so, and we also played a game of NBA 2K17. So definitely been jumping around quite a bit, and I have the all-time teams roster. Um, so I've, just, I've definitely kept busy over the last couple of weeks with basketball gaming. Again, it's, it's, it's the benefit of having a large collection. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, how nice is it to be able to tar- talk arcade hoops? Hmm. It's nice. It, like, it it's is, just, yeah. You know, it's nice to, talk, to be able to talk new arcade hoops titles and evaluate them and, and talk about, you know, what they could do better or what they're doing well and, and you know, the different options in them and styles. And, and like I said, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to kind of branch away from sim hoops just for a minute to talk about something that was a big part of our childhood. Absolutely. Hoops were a big part a- absolutely. Of and it is, they have always been, you know, I was an NBA live gamer back in the day, but I was also an NBA jam gamer as well. It's, it cleansed the palate. You know, when you got sick of jam, you would play some NBA live. When you felt like the change of pace, you, you went back to jam that my cousin and I, that's what we did. And when we had a great deal of fun with that, or, or the NBA hang time, you know, when that came out, uh, by, by changing up like that, that, that is the value of having those different types of basketball games. And, of course, within a sim game like a Live or a 2K, having the different modes does allow you to do that to some extent, but having a completely different genre to be able to change it up with a Jam or a Dunk Lords or PBA Basketball, Basketball Classics, you know, to be able to have that different experience. Uh, but it still still feeds your love of basketball. Uh, I think is, that is why having such a, a range of games that come out at, at, at the one time or... Uh, recent or new games uh, is, is is why it's so important. It's why we want to see the competition between 2K and Live. It's why we want to see Jam and Street come back. It's why we support these other games from the indie developers. It's uh, it's just to be able to to change it up. You know, I, I have games in my collection. Will I play them uh, that much? Probably not. Uh, beyond covering them for Wayback Wednesday, but I'll pull them out every once in a while for uh, you know just for for a bit of fun. Uh, will, will I pl- pull I pull out Jam it very often? Probably not, <laughs> compared to NBA Jam, for example. But it is, it is, you know, they are interesting to have in the collection and to just uh, to just mess around with it, you know, like a uh, uh, Slam City with Scottie Pippen, something like that. Is it? The, is it? Probably, oh, I got to make know, a video on that. Yeah. that's the other game I put on. I yeah. got to make a video on. And, and, that. and is I, is I, that I the best basketball game ever made? No, but it, but there is something special, and it certainly appealed to you. That you know, that there is something there, and if there's something there for for you, it's something you can revisit. Right now, I can't beat fingers. He's the he's the I I've it's I've been so disconnected from Slam City. The fingers is the first guy that you play, and I just can't beat him. He just keeps beating me over and over again. I gotta I gotta figure out the mechanics again because they're definitely quirky. Don't you hate that? Um, <laughs> yeah, I just I just gotta figure it out. So I think I've lost to fingers like six or seven times. I really I might post you know my victories and whatnot on youtube um but you know it, it, the other part that the element that we talked about on prior shows is just fun is you know you got your nba with nba playgrounds you got your pba with that league you got your crazy you're using cats and bears and dunk lords um it's just nice to have the variety it is you know for me growing up i was i grew up on nba jam nba ballers um college slam which is an underrated title that nobody talks about um, you know, college basketball games, NBA basketball games, and the NBA Showtime on NBC, NBA Hang Time. Um, you know, I grew up on, you know, Looney Tunes basketball, Acme Sports Challenge for the, you know, the Tiny Tunes um, version and all that stuff. Like, I grew up on all of these games, so it's just, it's nice to look, go into my Steam library or to go into my game library and just be like, okay, well, 
you know what? I feel like playing with it using a bear today. So yeah. I'm going to use... A, as, as, as you do uh, sometimes. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah, you know, every now and then you want to use a bear playing basketball. Um, so it's just nice to have the variety. The, uh, the other game I picked up recently was a... Not the World League basketball that I've talked about before, which is the uh, PAL version of... Uh, of the NCAA basketball by Hal that you've played, and of course Super Dunk Shot is the Japanese version, but a, a PC game for Windows 95, World League Basketball by uh, Mindscape and uh, High Voltage Software. It's yeah, it's it's actually one that I I've seen before and have and wanted to check out. So that's another one I'll be covering. You know, the, the other World League Basketball fictional, uh, another fictional World League ba- uh, global basketball league, basically. Uh, it's actually kind of more like a FIBA tournament, uh, but in, but in any case, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of cool to to have, and it's 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 cool to get to to play these older games, ones that you haven't played, or the ones that you always thought you'd have or, or check out, or you never got to check out, or whatever. And uh, that that is one of the things I do enjoy, collector, is to be able to not just revisit the, the classics that I love, and that's always fun, but also the ones that I missed out on, and and see, you know, okay, did I did I really miss out on anything or, you know, did, did I make the right choice of skipping it or, Hey, there's something here. And, uh, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of games that I've picked up recently. Uh, the end one, uh, basketball game and one street ball, street hoops, um, this world league basketball jam it, some of them better than others, but it's, it's definitely fun to check out. And if, if I don't have those, I have a lot of other live and 2k and jam games and whatnot to, uh, to switch between two games. I I'd, I'd like you to add to your collection. There's two that I grew up with um, that I really think it's important. Three, actually. One, Coach K College Basketball, if you don't already have it. That game is just really fun. Um, well, well, I've got, an, ad- I've got uh, an adapter now, so I'm looking to import some of those um, uh, NTSC SNES games as well, yeah. Yeah, so Coach K. Um, Dick Vitale's awesome baby college basketball. I just, I, it has the NCAA basketball um, camera, uh, you know, where there's no crowd. Yep. And it's like 3D look. It's just, it's actually kind of a fun game. Dick Vitale's awesome baby college basketball. Um, and then the other one, oh my God, I just had it off the tip of my, on the tip of my tongue. Oh yeah. Double dribble playoff edition for Sega Genesis. So I think that those are three that I think you should add to your collection. And yeah. I actually think they're good basketball games. So. With Genesis, it's, it's going to come down to me getting a mega drive. Uh, uh, so I know. So we'll see. As you said, you have issues with that. Yeah. So it's it's just a matter of getting uh, you know it's it's all budget, but th- those are they're all games that I'm you know it's it's one of those things that if it can be in the budget and uh, <laughs> you think about but uh, but no there there I don't have every basketball game ever made at this point, but I've got I've got a fair few. Yeah, you definitely. I've seen some of your collection. I think you listed a bunch of it, and I'm just like I can't even believe how many games you have. I have a ton. You've seen some of my collections. I think I've, I posted some pictures on Twitter at one point about it too, between Steam and my console collection. Uh, but you definitely still have more than I do. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm, I'm, don't think I'll make the Guinness Book, but it, it's, uh, it's not about that. It's, it's about uh, satisfying the uh, my own taste and whatnot. But uh, we will circle back to that, of course. Uh, that is retro gaming as we look to the future of gaming. The uh, we do have release dates and prices for the PlayStation Five and Xbox One. There is, of course, an Australian markup, as I knew there would be. Uh, the the disc edition of the PS Five, which I'm looking at, get Derek, is actually seven hundred and fifty Australian dollars. Um, but it, it, I do have time to save up for it, of course, because with the way the pre-orders are going, I probably won't get it till twenty twenty one. So let me get this straight. So 750 bucks for the disc version. So basically you can get a $500 version, but it just doesn't take discs. So it's everything's digital. Is that it? The five, the, the digital edition is like about 500. It's about 200 cheaper, yeah. 
but there's no difference other than it just can't take. Uh, unlike the Xbox, the Xbox has got a few different versions as far as power. The uh, yeah, it's the same power. It's just like an extra hundred or two hundred for a. Uh, was it hundred or two hundred? Well, it's it's certainly over hundred more for uh, or around about a hundred or more for a disc version. Yeah, for, for the Blu-ray. Yeah, and I see why you need that. Um, why you would want that. I, and so I, I was thinking about this. My brother and I actually talked about this last night. Um, he's a huge Final Fantasy fan, and they're coming out with a Final Fantasy for PS5, and it's exclusive. So um, we made a deal where he's going to buy the PS5, and I'm going to buy the Xbox Series X. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm going to bring the Xbox Series X is because I believe that on launch, I'm guessing my Elgato is going to work. And I'm not sure if that's true or not. I need to look into it. But as we know, there's been issues with Elgato working with PlayStation. Because of the uh, uh, HGCP, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know if that's going to be a case, but I think that I'm going to buy the Xbox Series X. He's going to buy the PS5, and we live together. So we're going to end up having both. Um, what are you doing? I, I'm just going with PS5 um, because I, I already have the PlayStation uh, Plus subscription, which covers already PS4 and PS3. Um, depending on what happens with PS4, I mean, I, I could probably maybe trade it in, depending on what happens, um, but I, I kind of not want to do that until I see how everything works with backwards compatibility with all games and also transferring data across as well. That'll be the big thing. Um, so I'll, I'll just be going PS5 because it's... Uh, uh, I've already got the 2K21 for it as well, thanks to getting the Mumble Forever edition for PS4. So I'm, I'm just going to stick with that this generation. Uh, but but again, it, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to uh, get get another pre-order as soon as I'm allowed. And, and it's, it's just a, oh, allowed as soon as it opens up again with uh, Australian retailers. And then it's just a matter of getting in the line, which is what I need to do. Get, it, get in the line because it, it, it probably... There's no guarantee that it'll be there on launch. Like, I got the PS4 on launch. That's actually the first console I've got at launch, the PS4. Everything else was uh, at least uh, a little bit afterwards, but um, yeah, it's uh, that, that's what I'm going with PS5, and uh, and again, it's it's not about you know f- fanboyism. Like I have nothing against Xbox. I have an Xbox 360. Of course, I've had three of them thanks to various uh, errors, but uh, that's that's beyond the point. That's a, that's the 360. The the uh, Xbox One was uh, was better in that regard, as I understand it. But yeah, I'm going to stick with PS uh, with PlayStation. It's what most of the people that I play with are going to have, and I've got 2K21 lined up for it already, the, the uh, free edition, thanks to the Mumble Forever edition of, of PS4. PlayStation, only once, already got a subscription that's going to be current for all three consoles that I um, have, the, the 3 to 5. So, uh, yeah, that's basically my, my rationale. You know, it's it's one of those things, right? I, I also don't really have any interest in the exclusives, so that's a non-factor for me as well. Um, what, what I'm going to play is likely to come out on all consoles plus PC as well, so it's that's never really been an issue for me. The only exclusives I've ever really been interested in are, uh, you know, so like a Mario and Zelda for Nintendo, and I haven't had a Nintendo console for years, new Nintendo consoles for years, so it's kind of a, a moot point for me. Yeah, I kind of fell out of interest in those type of games too. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. I, I mean, I, I've seen them I do some good things. But, yeah, and, you know, I jump on and and I'll, I, I'll like I played Mario too for fun. Um, you know, the other night, I want to say it was a couple of weeks ago. It was still fun to like put on and stuff, but it's not right now at this point in my life, for some reason, it's just not the type of game that I'm into. Sure. Yeah. So I, and I'm kind of with you too, as well. Um, I'm not much for exclusives, but my brother is. So final fantasy is a big deal to him Yep. and they're not bringing that game to PC. So 
Um, and like I said, you know, if we're both splitting it and he's buying that and I'm buying the Xbox Series X and we're just using our income that way, then that, that makes the most sense. So, mm. I mean, it will be nice to have both systems. Um, but I I'm feel like it's, it's probably not going to be like 12 months until it actually gets a, a fair amount of titles that everybody's interested in. That's how I felt with PS4. I, I felt there wasn't much at launch apart from the basketball games that really I had that much of a, an interest in. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It, it, you know, for me too, if you remember correctly, 99% of my gaming is on PC. Mm. So like for me, um, you know, the, the PC titles, I, I just like the flexibility on PC. I like to be able to, you know, the way I access my games on PC. Um, I like how um, my, the different options I have on PC and everything. So for me, still you know pc is going to be my primary source of gaming yeah and it's it's going to be it's going to be one of mine too because obviously i do have the gaming pc so it's uh when you know i i've always gamed on both pc and console you know i i know that's something that maybe seems strange to a lot of people and obviously you do too but the people that are staunchly one or the other i i i've had games that have come out on on both that i've i've liked you know, the, the ones that are console exclusive, others that are PC exclusive, or the PC has been better for modding reasons or, or whatever. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, that's just been always the way I approached it. I, I've not, uh, I, I mean, I was Nintendo growing up in the uh, Nintendo versus Sega Wars in the, in the 90s, but I haven't really bothered with console wars since then. It's uh, It was exciting as a 12-year-old. As a, as a 35-year-old, it's kind of, yeah, I, I'm not really much much for fanboy wars these days. Yeah, I grew up with both Sega and Super Nintendo. Um, and Sega CD, and then and then Jaguar, um, and whatnot Jaguar, and uh, what a system! We should do a whole podcast on Jaguar someday. Mm. Uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah. So I Phil grew up CDI. on uh, yeah, yeah. The whole console wars thing and the whole oh I'm better than you or oh look it's it reminds me of the iPhone Android stuff. Oh look, Twitter from Android. Like that's like that's supposed to be like an is, insult. Is that what the insult is? I've always wondered about that. Is, so so it's it's not. It, it's so it's, it's, it's because pure... I'm using an iPhone. It's iPhone. It's iPhone superior. Th- that, that's it's all iPhone. it is. It's not like oh you're you're old because you're using Android or or, or you're wrong for no, posting from your phone. It, it's it's it's, lit- it's literally it's literally just choice of brand. Yeah, I've had it used on me because I use an Android. Like it says Twitter yeah. from Android on mine what, what when I use, post. When, when it's like, post yeah, it it's, a, phone, it's just yeah. a brand thing. It's like a superiority complex. That's that's always. I've, I've wondered <laughs> about that. In reality, I could say to them, "Hey, you spent over a thousand dollars on your phone, and what you're doing right now using your phone, I can do the exact same thing with my one hundred dollar Android." So yeah, somehow you're superior for spending about a thousand dollars more than I did on your phone when I can do the exact same thing right now. So you know this with, uh, again. This, like, yeah. Give me a break. So this is something again that that I've had my uh, you know discoveries on the NLC podcast that I that I haven't had my finger on the pulse of. I always wondered why people. I thought there must have been more to the joke or, or more to the insult than simple brand loyalty. But that, that's all it is. It's it's just like oh you're, you're posting from an Android phone, so your your opinion doesn't make sense or your opinion is less because you're doing that. That's all it is. Brand choice. That's that's wow. a superior. That, I mean, I mean, I thought it was stupid anyway, but that's even stupider than I thought. And, and it would go the other way as well to say that oh your opinion what you're saying doesn't matter. Because it's uh, that, that is that is seriously on the level of, of of dismissing my opinions on basketball because I'm a Bulls fan and they're not doing it well at the moment. That's on that level. That's what that is. Right. Exactly. It's, wow. uh, yeah. If you've seen that, yeah. Like I said, I've had that happen to me a couple times, and it's like, you know, oh, I shouldn't take. It. Oh, look, Twitter from Android. That explains everything. 
Like that, like literally, that's what you'll get. It's like, give me a break. So a, a, like, again, a completely unrelated idea, a completely <laughs> unrelated thing. To not, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So that's that's even dumber than I thought. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> there you go. But yeah. uh, well, just know, just know, people that listen to the NLC podcast. I have an Android, and it's a, it's a Samsung, um, but. Um, Obviously, it shows up Twitter for Android and whatnot. Um, just to let you know, I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> I have no, I'm taking this podcast. I'm using this phone for this podcast right now, and it works beautifully. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, I, I'm I'm using a uh, a Windows PC, but I do actually have an Android phone. So yeah. But a, a yeah, lot of my it, a lot of my not, tweets do come I from Windows that. desktop, so you won't see the, the you won't see it for that. But when I do post from my phone, it will say Twitter for Android. Right. I could see if if Andrew posted on uh, Twitter and it said posted from Windows ninety five. I could see somebody saying, "Well, listen, uh, this yeah. is Windows 95. Not, not a better not a better browser than Netscape four. You know, it's all, <laughs> right. all downhill from there. Chrome what? Yeah, Jesus. But uh, yeah, so that that is uh, the, the situation. You, you know, you we may get a PS five. It depends on uh, when they open that up. But it's uh, a, a bit of a mess. But hopefully they sort that out. Yeah, I hope so. I mean. I got to get my pre-orders in for the systems. I do want to use them on day one. I also want to be able to upload some videos to my YouTube channel because I think that people are going to want to see it, mm. right? They, you know, people are going to want to see how the gameplay is. And I want people to be able to watch those videos and say, hey, look, this is for me and whatnot. And I do, I take pride in trying to upload some good gameplay and whatnot. So um, that is one of my goals is to get some early videos out. So stay tuned to see if we actually get those consoles. If We are the, the lucky, blessed few. <laughs> to have it. Uh, one one uh, bit of uh, a PSA, bit of a public service an, uh, announcement here. Uh, there's a lot of scams going around at the moment with people trying to give, you know, allegedly giving away consoles and uh, and trying to flip them for ridiculous amounts and everything. Uh, don't buy into that. Yeah, I mean, we we knew this happens every cycle, every generation. Right? Yeah, yeah. Except, unfortunately, this is the height of social media and the height of hacking. And the height of um, spam and the height of all of this stuff. So, yeah, I'd um, definitely be careful. Be wary. Use trusted sources. Um, if you can, go in person, uh, et cetera. So. And certainly a lot of these ones, again, you know, retweet for a chance to win. Um, yeah, look, look at who's doing that because there's, a, again, a lot of scammers out there and people who have got the pre-orders in who are looking to flip them and make a profit on them. Um, it's almost like ticket scalping in a way. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say just don't support that because it's uh, it's one of those things. Don't support things that uh, that hurt your fellow gamer, and because they will come back to haunt you as well. And as I learned recently, don't give strangers money mm. unless you. <laughs> nah, I'll get into that on another show. I'm not giving it back by um, the way. They, but, um... <laughs> they will block. They will, they will block you. They will block you. Yeah, you can lend them. You can lend them money. You can be a nice guy. You can give advice. But at the end of the day, if you don't give them more, they will block you. So, yeah. bit awkward that I got you on the podcast after I did that to you, but anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would never do that. Ne- nevertheless, um, well, we'll see. No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But uh, that has brought us to the end of episode 341 of the NLC podcast. We uh, Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. The show, of course, comes out each and every week on the NLSC, which is mb-live.com. We're also on all the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, etc. 
uh, search for NLC Podcast, look for our logo, and that will be us. Of course, we also appreciate any reviews on platforms that support them to stroke our ego and, of course, to help spread the word about the show. And, yes, certainly if you'd like to help us spread the word on the, about the show on your various uh, social media, Twitter, for example, then we certainly do appreciate that. Before I get into our socials, of course, uh, where can we find you, Derek? I'm on YouTube, D for free, on the NLSC, D for free as a contributor over there. Um, and I'm working on an all-time teams roster for NBA 2K21 with no duplicates, adding a bunch of missing players. Shua Joda has been nice enough to reach out and say he's going to make some faces for missing players as well. So keep an eye on that. It's nice to dive into making you know a roster because I haven't really died, um, got into it since NBA 2K17. Uh, I'm on Twitter at deeper384. I'll be releasing episode five today, hopefully, of um, Holding Court with D for Three, where we dive deep into the Celtics versus Heat series. Um, Clyde Drexler over Reggie Miller, which that should be well known um, and a common opinion um, and a common take. And the worst Twitter takes of the week in the mailbag. Um, and then I'm also looking at filming, filming, um, recording, not filming recording um holding core excuse me virtual hoop dreams with swaggy pilino so i have a lot going on right now um but i am trying to keep busy in these times so definitely check out Derek's stuff with the uh, aforementioned places of course as a contributor in the nlc forum look out for that mod as well as for my mod the ma 2k11 rosters still working on that if people would like to lend a hand with the faces maravich has done a, a great job but he is just one person so far uh if you can lend a hand with some faces maybe some conversions from 1314 i know a few of the people who've been done the 1314 faces uh 2k13 2k14 faces that is obviously we want 1920 season faces <laughs> that's the from those games uh they have given their permission to do some conversions if you can help out with that uh that would definitely be appreciated you can check out my topic in the nba 2k11 modding section for more updates on that uh as for my socials i'm on twitter at andrew nlsc the nlsc itself is on facebook and twitter the nlsc on both on instagram we are nlsc basketball on youtube we are nba live series center and of course keep it locked to the nlsc itself nba-live.com for everything we do for basketball video games but yes that's all for this week thank you once again for tuning in until next time i'm andrew and i'm Derek. go get buckets everyone <laughs>